Welcome to a new episode of NY Just Fans Podcast with hosts Davin Sharman and Chris. Please make sure to follow us on Twitter, Just Fans Podcast, Instagram at NY Just Fans Podcast, as we have another week of off-season uh, Jets and football news, NFL news. Um, in a few minutes, we'll have Joe Bluey, uh, special guest Joe Bluey from uh, Just X Factor and Bluey's Blitz, um, come to talk talk to us. Uh, but let's start off with Jamal Adams. Uh, the saga still continues. Um, Jamal says he's trying to come to Dallas. Uh, he tells he tells the, the he tells Marcus May goodbye. He tells the fans goodbye as he think he's going to get traded and whatnot. Um, Chris, uh, how you feel about this and where and where and from the eight teams Adams requested that he that he would go to without an extension. Uh, where where do those teams cap room? Uh, basically, cap space. Uh, you know, situation goes can go in. All right. Well, I think we should start off with the facts, right? With Adams and with the Jets. I think right now. Adams has zero leverage in this situation. He could ask for a trade all he wants, but that's all he could do because he's not going to sit out and not get paid and not get that year of service. So mm-hmm. forget about sitting out. So he's got zero leverage except for I'm a really good player and I should be paid more than what I'm being paid, which is I 100% agree. And I don't think anybody else disagrees that he's played past his contract and he deserves an extension and all that stuff. There's no doubt, but here's the business side of it. He still has two years left on his contract. And if the Jets want to go a third year with the franchise tag, right? So both sides got their own thing. So like I said, he's got zero leverage. So the Jets are just sitting back saying, okay, you can say whatever you want. And they're not saying a word because they don't have to say anything and they don't have to do anything because he's on the contract for another two years like I said, and maybe even a 30th for the franchise tag. So the Jets have all the leverage, all the power, whatever you want to call it, it's all in their court. So for Adams to be acting this way, I I mean, I love the guy as a player, but, you know, he's just coming off very selfish. Now he makes the list of the seven, eight teams that he would love to be traded to or like to be traded to, excuse me. Um, of course, all winning teams. So – and he also said if he goes to some of these teams, he won't ask for an extension right away. So that basically shows you where his heart is, and it's not with the Jets. It's with someone else other than the Jets. Um, and coming forward, like you said, he wants to go to Dallas. Um, this teams out there, obviously, like Dallas, yeah, they did offer them something last year, supposedly at the trade deadline, um, the one and the two, I think, or two ones. But uh, I don't see them being a part of it, especially this late, because we know Dallas has to sign Dak Prescott, or they already signed him to the franchise tag. So you know he's going to get some kind of a long-term deal after this, like a four-year. They want him. They want him for five more. He wants four. That's a whole other discussion. But I, I, I don't see the Cowboys it being that fit financially, you know, because they have a lot of money tied up to players, right? You got Dak getting 31. You got Cooper getting 20. You got uh, Demarcus Lawrence getting 21. You got Zach Martin getting 15. Tyron Smith getting 13. Um, Elliott getting 10. So you got all these guys making a lot of money, and then you're going to throw in him asking for 20. You're probably not going to get 20 million a year, but 
I just don't see Dallas as a fit. Um, that's just my thing. Kansas City, they got very little cap room. Almost everybody here either has a little bit of cap room or enough to make the trade. But as we know, this late in the in the offseason, I mean, we're going to start up camp in a couple of weeks. So uh, I think it's I think it's too late to make a big trade like this. I mean, not that it's too late. I shouldn't say that. But most teams don't want to make a big trade like this. So I, I, I personally don't think it's going to happen unless a team comes forward and blows them away. Uh, maybe it's going to be a team not on his list, and let's see what happens then. You know, I mean, he can't do anything about it. He's got no power to where he goes. He's just giving you a couple of teams that he'd like to go to. So I don't know, man. I, I personally don't see a trade happening. I really don't. And, and I think uh, he's going to sit out as long as he can until he has to show up, you know, um, so he gets that, that service time in and gets, his pay, uh, gets paid as well. So I don't know. Charmin, what, what do you think? I, I don't see a trade happening. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I mean, there's so many things going on going on that plays against what um, Mr. Adams wants. Um, this is what's – I think this is what shakes everybody's, you know, um, especially Jets fans. I think that's what kind of uh, uh, everybody's uh, – most people's belief that this is kind of questionable behavior is, is because under the circumstances, uh, why now, you know? Um, I think um, I think I uh, I will um, shout out to Scott Mason, uh, play like a jet. Um, he he based he kind of pointed out something that that kind of opened my eyes that um, generally he thinks that Adams basically have been wanting to be um, get out of New York, and um, he only kind of stayed quiet for a little bit because he was promised he was going to get paid. And um, <clears throat> when he saw that it wasn't going to be on his timetable, basically, and it was going to be whenever Joe uh, Douglas was ready, I think that's when he started making that noise again. So, so <clears throat> it makes it makes a lot of sense to me. I think um, the thing, the thing, in my opinion, that's going on. There's so many um, levels to this. Uh, you know. People want to criticize the Jets for what they're doing. Oh, they should have paid Adams and all that stuff. Um, I mean, Adams has a, a bunch of stats that goes his way, and he's a great player. You guys know I love him as a player. Um, but when you come to when you're going to the negotiation in the negotiating table, man, I could, you know, I'm sorry, you know, a lot of things could not be your fault. But thought you were the pres. You know, I thought I thought you were gonna change the culture. You know, uh, and none of that has happened. Um, you know, you you're a safety, right? Where's all the interceptions? You know, two. Uh, you know, you understand me? Like again, it's not really fair, but it, it, you know, it, since you're gonna play dirty and bring up the whole "oh, I want to leave town" crap, you know, let's 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 put everything on the table. You know, um. I don't have an issue with people getting paid. You know, that's not a problem. Nobody never said that Adams was never going to get paid. And this is what my argument, this is why all the people attacking the Jets organization kind of, they could miss me with all that crap. What is, what is the problem with him waiting? 
Nobody said that he wasn't going to get paid. The GM basically said, let us finish our offseason and all this stuff, you know, getting our monies in order, and then let's have this conversation then. As simple as that, you know. Like I I said in in our last episode, the... The timing of this is incredibly ridiculous, in my opinion. There's a there's something going on in this in, in, in America right now that's basically killing thousands of people a week. You know, you don't even know if there's gonna be a football season going on. And you're having an argument publicly with an organization about when you're gonna pay, get paid when you're on the contract. This does not bode well for your future at all. Despite how good of a player you are, you're basically telling people that you're damn selfish. It's simple as that. You, like I stated before, he could have this conversation through phone calls with the Johnsons, through phone calls with Greg Williams, Adam Gase, Joe Douglas, or whoever that's the president of the Jets. Uh, I can't his name can't come up in my head right now. Make those phone calls constantly, you know, or since you have an agent, let your agent handle his, do his job and go work out and get ready for the season. Like normal NFL professionals do. You're supposed to be professional. This is not professional. This is basically hijacking a system that you think is unfair, which you might have an argument, because NFL, the NFL really, the players don't really have that much, you know, going for them, you know, other than the fact that they might get paid. The teams do whatever they want. They, they you know, the whole five-year limb contract stuff, you know, come on, man. You know, they're trying to drag out the whole thing so that they don't have to pay you that much throughout the time you spend with them. As simple as that. that that's a great argument. Fine. I'm not saying don't fight for your money. I'm not saying that you don't deserve it. I'm saying that you could handle this in a more professional manner. And this whole, oh, force my way out of town thing that NFL team players have been doing, how many of them have turned out to be great choices? I love uh, um, the corner. What's his name that went to the Rams? I like the kid. Jalen Ramsey is a great player. He is a great player. But would you say that he's changed what the Rams are? Has he done anything in, 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 in L.A. to create a difference in the defense? What did the Rams get other than a very talented player? This is my question. <laughs> this is what I'm trying to say. Everybody's like, oh, pay him, pay him, pay him, pay him. Listen, football is still a team sport. You, Jamal Adams is awesome. But Jamal Adams is not going to make the Jets all of a sudden turn into an 11-5 and team unless there's a whole team that he could play with. And unless you give Joe, um, um, Joe Douglas time to, cre- to play the plan that he had in place to sign whoever he has to sign and has the, have the organization's business at, um, um, you know, in line before he sits down to talk to you, <laughs> You know, that, that makes all the sense. I, I understand. It's none of your business. You want to get paid. Fine. Again, like I said, why the public conversation? 
why the oh I'm trying to get out oh oh I I will miss I will miss Mac, Marcus May and all this crap why I just don't understand this you know and everybody likes to take shots at the Jets the Jets oh my God point out oh um um they didn't sign this guy a year ago a couple years ago hey listen to me last time I checked they just have a new GM and a new whole new front office so so the whole the whole oh man the, the Jets they don't know what they're doing why don't you wait why don't you wait and then and then after Joe Douglas's first season as a as a GM judge him on that Instead of balling him up with all this history the Jets had. Mm. I mean, it's incredible the kind of crap and flack that the Jets get for doing what they're supposed to do in the first place as an organization. Take care of everybody instead of just one guy. And they're also acting more professional than he is, obviously, by not bringing it out into the public. You know, they're just sitting back and saying, okay, you know, we could have a discussion about it. But here's another thing. Right, I don't think anybody's brought this up at all, and I, at least I haven't heard it. What if? Because remember, Joe Douglas was not here when the Jets drafted Jamal Adams, right? Hmm. So you got a guy now in Joe Douglas and a new head coach that have different, you know, thoughts on how this team should be built and everything else. Yep. Maybe, possibly, I'm not saying this is a definite, but possibly. They don't want to sign him to a long-term deal. They might have said that to keep his value <laughs> up, obviously, right? You want to say, oh, we love this guy. We, we want to keep him for long-term. So the teams are like, man, we got to pry this guy. And If they said, nah, we're not going to sign him to a long-term deal, you know, then he's easy pickings, right? But possibly, maybe deep inside, you know, they're not putting us out there to leaking it to anybody. But possibly, maybe Joe Douglas is like, dude, I don't want to give – a safety or some people call him a box safety, whatever, forget about it. But do we really want to give this guy 17, $18 million a season for the next five years? Do we want to build our defense around this guy? You know, maybe not. Maybe they're like, listen, let's just hold on to him while his price is low and then we'll trade him when we have to trade him, you know, or until he starts getting crazy like he is now that he wants out, he wants a big trade, a big deal. So and that's and nobody's bringing that up, but that's a possibility that they're saying, you know what? Now, of of course, they're probably thinking that, but before this, maybe they were thinking that as well. And you know what, Chris? And and to go with to go with your point, let's go with your point, right? That that's I mean that makes a lot of sense. Probably that's the reason why he feels like he wants to run out of town is because, you know, um, he feels like that you know they're. After playing, after playing a couple, uh, playing last year with uh, Greg Williams and and Gaze, that they don't value him enough, you know, because they don't feel like he fits into what plan, whatever future plans they have. But that is all well and good. You know your worth, and you know the kind of player you are. If they don't like you there, they will find a way to get you out. What's the all crying about and banging again, uh, throwing a tantrum for? What? What you um um you? This is the this is the part of the things that I that always, like you know, like you're in a relationship with a girl and she, you know, or you're trying to be in a relationship with a girl and she doesn't like you. You're disappointed, you know, 
but you're not like walking around, you know, she, you know, you know, we, 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 as men, we make fun of guys that act like that anyway and call them all sorts of names. They're soft because a girl doesn't like you throwing a tantrum, start calling her names and all kinds of stuff just because you hurt that she doesn't like you. What does that have to do with anything? She doesn't like you fine. Just move on. You know, it's simple as that. I, I don't understand how, you know, all this tantrum throwing, throwing stuff and all that stuff. He needs to, as a professional, see their, what they're doing or what they want to do. If he feels like, okay, they, they don't want him, they want him here. This conversation should have been had behind closed doors. Oh, okay. I feel like you guys are going in a different direction. Fine. You know, um, you know, let's, let's, let's part on, 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 a, on a, let's make this amicable. You know what I mean? Right. Because then, because then when you start throwing a tantrum, the other team that's going to get you, you're going to end up being devalued basically because everybody's looking at you throwing a tantrum. They're like, I don't want this guy on my team. You know? Mm. Right. Uh, oh man. Uh, I know I'm the gambler out of all three of us. Um, <laughs> I would like to say that, uh, you know, I was, I was being called out for my predictions of Adams being traded, um, which still hasn't happened yet, but could happen. Um, who, who knows, you know, maybe Matt promised Adams a, a new contract if he was still the GM and Joe, with Joe Douglas there, he, he probably doesn't like, he probably never liked the Joe Douglas in the first place, you know, and I, I, from a scenario, um, before I finish saying what I want to say, uh, Cromartie, shut, shut your mouth, man. You, you retired. Um, and just fans do not like what you're saying. <laughs> you know, we get it. Players, uh, players stick together, but just shut your mouth, uh, Kamardi. I just want to say that. That's number one. Uh, for number two, um, Adams, this whole situation is, is getting out of hand. Um, you don't have no leverage. And if anything was to happen, uh, I, like right now, I'm just tired of this shit. I'd just rather for you to get traded just so you can shut your mouth. But, you know, Joe Douglas needs to be smart here, and we, we don't need to give up no loose change. Uh, Jamal Adams is a dollar. We need $5 back. So hopefully, we'll, hopefully he'll get something done soon. Um, that's, that's all I wanted to say. But other than that, y'all both nailed, you know, hit the nail in the head <laughs> with the subject. So um, I mean, let's, let's to, go right I ahead. Say, I was going to say, we can try to think about what teams – would be a possible fit, but I, it's kind of <laughs> late in the game right now in the offseason. Yeah. I mean, I, that's why I don't think there's, there should be a trade because obviously he don't want to be here. And here's another thing. If a trade doesn't happen, how is he going to, how is he going to walk back into that locker room? You oh, know, oh it's going to be so much said. negativity. There's yeah. going to be so much negativity and bad vibes because if anybody noticed, the only two people that's left from uh, who Matt draft is Adams and Marcus May. You know what? I think this this is going to show you, or this is going to bring out how important a guy like C.J. Mosley is going to be because he is such a leader. And I think bringing Adams back, if it, if it happens, to bring Adams back into this locker room without – having people say things or whatever. Cause I know most players are going to be like, Hey, it's a business. He did what he had to do. 
Right. And I, I think I think most of them are gonna think that, but it's gonna it's still gonna be a little uncomfortable for that guy to walk back into the locker room and now he's gonna fight with this team and you know what I mean? It, it's uh I'll, it's gonna be I'll say, I will say I will say this. I will totally disagree with that because um one of the one of the things I always um like try to pay attention to is what players always say and how they act. And one of the things that kind of stick out to me when it comes to the NFL is how compartmentalized that most um, most NFL players are. Um, whenever whenever players are having issues uh, um, with the with the organization, for the most part, players on that team never get involved in it. They never personally take anything that the other player is doing, whatever. The only time that we've ever seen a team basically get involved with, uh, with, um, with, um, with uh, like negotiations or bad blood between organization and player is what happened with the Steelers. If you guys remember going in, it was it, was it, uh, was it Bell that they were going in his locker room in his taking his stuff out of his locker and stuff and talking crap about him? Yeah, it was Bell. Yeah. That was the, that's the only time I ever remember the history of NFL that I know because they, because I haven't been watching football as long as a lot of people, but there is nothing that I could remember of any of players actually getting involved in, in these conversations because these guys, you show up to work, you do your job, and that's it. And it's all good. You know, nobody is like taking your, your, your tantrums and your stuff personally. They don't care. You're trying to get paid and you're having an issue with the organization. That's one thing. Your relationship with me and on the field is a different thing. I think, I think if he has to get, um, still get on the field with the Jets, I don't think there will ever be an issue. I think he will do his job because you guys have to remember one thing about it. Jamal Adams has to keep up the the you know the look of him being one of the best safeties in the league he will he will not go he will not sleep on not doing his job you know mm. yeah uh, I, I, I was gonna say no hold on chris uh i wanted to say this uh adam's vibe after that trade deadline was so horrible with the teammates i get i get you know Anger at you know anger at first first sight that it's like yeah I'm I'm mad because he because he listened to some damn deals which a GM should do but <laughs> you know Adam's vibe was just so negative I don't know but then now you blame the you blame the what you blame Gates I don't know how true that is it, could, it might be true it might not you know how you think Gates might feel or how you think Williams might feel you know. Uh, it's not even the player standpoint. I know Williams don't care. He, you know, he's gonna do his thing. But how you think Gaze feel? You know how Gaze is. Gaze is an asshole. So I don't know how that plays out. I, I don't. I don't see. I don't see how Gaze is the problem because even if, I mean, what could he say? Oh, I don't want this guy. He's too good of a player on my team. You know. So I don't think Gaze is the problem. And Gaze doesn't even deal with the defense. He stays away from the defense. He's an offensive guy, and he's that's where he handles. He stays, he's, even though he's the head coach, he doesn't get involved with Greg Williams in the defense. He keeps, so I don't think, I, I mean, maybe Gase and Adams have a problem, you know, man to man, but mm. I, I don't know how or why it's, it's Gase's fault. You know, I think fans start that up too. 
because yeah. there's a, a incredible hatred for Gates, and I get it. You know, because he hasn't proven. Because <laughs> think about it, he hasn't proven anything to us, right? So I get right. it. I'm I'm right with you until he proves that your offense is what it is. You know what? You're you're garbage, especially after last year. So um, <laughs> <laughs> he's still, you know, other than with Denver, what has he done? Right? We could we could talk about that or another. But uh, yeah, we'll definitely talk about yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, time. the big thing is is him. I, I, if a trade doesn't happen, getting accepted back into the locker room. Yeah, he probably will. I'm I'm not doubting that, but thankfully we do have veterans on the team like a CJ Mosley that's going to ease that transition because. You know what he's what he's shown the last you know few weeks is is just immaturity, you know, and not a leader because he's not a leader. By doing what he's doing, he's shown he's not a leader. He's just selfish. And to be yeah. honest, when he comes back, not only is he not the leader of the defense because Mosley is probably going to be named captain if he's not already. And number two, you know, he's he's and he's definitely not the leader of the team. He's not even the face of the team anymore. He's he is what he is now. He's mm. basically in limbo for the next whatever time until they could trade him. So, I don't know. It's going to be a, a slight <laughs> mess, but I think having Mosley there is going to ease everything. And and I think the players know he's only here until he gets traded. That's deep. That's deep. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. You know, yeah, no, so I know. To be continued. Yeah, but it is what it is. Now, to be continued, and I think uh, Jets fans just want the situation to be over with. Overall, they we just all wanted it to be over with because we're so tired of hearing hearing about Jamal Adams for the last three to four weeks. So until then, we'll figure out more more news hopefully next week. Um, let's move on to some NFL news. Uh, Dak Prescott finally signed his franchise tag. Uh, yeah, uh, Charmin, how important was it was for Dak to sign a, a franchise tag? How important it is? I don't know, man. Um, <laughs> I mean, I would say if it was I mean, a, because of the pandemic, <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> thirty-one million I, I, is a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he 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 still has us on a specific date to um, negotiate a long-term deal. Um. Um, I can't. I, like he has a few weeks, I think. I think it's still to negotiate for the seventeenth. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so maybe this goes a long way in kind of uh, helping them, um, you know, negotiate. I mean, talk. Um, I don't know. I don't know if the Cowboys took that as a slight or that he wasn't really willing. He wasn't really willing to. Um, you know, negotiate honorably if he didn't sign, if he hadn't signed his tag. I don't know. Um, but may, maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe that, that is a big deal that he, that he signed. Maybe that means that he's really willing and able now to sit down and really have a conversation uh, honorably with the Cowboys in the Cowboys opinion anyway, because like I've been saying over and over again, all this news that's going on and all these rumors, in my opinion, flashing all over the place. None of that stuff was ever said by Dak and his representatives. This stuff has been coming out of the, of the, um, the GM, which is, uh, um, and his son and the Cowboys organization for the most part, you know, and I understand because when you have a player on the come up, I don't care what anybody feels about Dak. I know he's not the, he's not what you want him to be, but for the Cowboys, organization he is 
uh, catalyst, basically, for that team. Don't tell me he's not because that defense is crap. They wouldn't have won all those games if their quarterback wasn't at least above average or good, you know. So I know he has a ways to go as a professional, but I think he still has a bright future ahead of him, and I would sign him. The amount, I mean, we could have this conversation, but um, I think it's nece- I think that was a necessary move, in my opinion. I think probably the Cowboys' off front office took that as a slight that he hadn't signed his tag yet, and he was probably holding that over his, over their head. That I would believe, in a in a in a to a certain extent, but um, uh, I mean, this, to me, this negotiation still has a week weeks to go. Uh, so. Let's see what happens, man. Maybe they maybe they sign a deal now. The biggest, I think, the biggest. Uh, I don't know if it was the price, but I keep hearing the biggest uh, obstacle is the years. He only wants four years, so he could become a free agent again at at thirty, and the Cowboys want to give him five. You know, so I think that's the big stumbling block. I think the the amount I think is going to get worked out. You know, like I like you've said too is they could always work things out give more money up front or signing bonus and stuff like that. So I think with um, at least what I've been hearing is the years is what, you know, the Cowboys want more than the four. They want the five years and Dak only wants four years because you know what, in four years he'll be 30 and then he can enter as a free agent again and maybe cash in again at 30 years old. You know? Yeah. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, the, the, you know, the Cowboys want to sign him for five because they want a longer term. It's, it's sure. in there, you know, it works out for the organization that way. And it works out for Dak if it's a shorter term contract, you know. But I think there's ways that they could work that out. The fact that this yeah. this is so much of an issue, is to me, it kind of boggles my mind. I think I think both I think both of them are coming to the table. I think both of them would, you know, when you're negotiating something like that, you know, there can't be two winners. I mean... <laughs> I mean, somebody has to give up some, you know, at the end of the day. So um, I think that I think that's the issue. I think who who wins what is the question is what I, what the question is at the open in this uh, in my opinion anyway. And also too, I think with with the Cowboys putting the franchise tag on him, it also shows that they want him for the long term, that they believe in uh, Dak Prescott. Because if they really were kind of Eh, we're not too sure about him. We may want to get better. They would have put that that transition tag on him, where another team can match any offer, or they can match any offer for another team. You know, with the franchise tag, nobody else could sign him. You know, they they have the you know they have him for next year or this season coming up, and that's it. With that transition tag, you're basically saying, okay, uh, we want him for this amount. You know, to be for less money. And also the option, you know, he's got an option to go out there and get offers from other teams. And if the Cowboys want to match it or not, whatever. So to me, putting a franchise tag shows, listen, we want this guy. And we want him obviously at the top, at one of the top paying, you know, amounts for a quarterback. So to me, that shows the Cowboys are saying, yeah, we want this guy and we believe in him. So I don't think that's the, the, so that's why I think the money is not, you know, is going to get worked out one way or the other. If he's asking for forty million, whatever, I'm sure they could work it out. And you know, like we've said, and signing bonuses and all that stuff. So I don't think that's that big of a deal. I think it's more about the years. And yeah, he wants to cash in again. You know, God bless him. You know, 
unless they want to give him like a 10 year deal, you know, which I don't see happening. Um, I, it's probably going to be, it's probably going to come down to years, either a four year or a five year deal. So, and eventually it'll work out, I guess, you know, like you said, there's still a couple more weeks to go. Um, let's see if it works out. Uh, the worst thing, the worst thing that could happen in this situation is letting them play this franchise, uh, franchise tag year and not signing them to a long, long-term deal and then placing another franchise tag on him, which would be $37.5 million, and really angered that. So um, if I was the Cowboys, I would get a deal done now. But I also understand that the pandemic is still going on and we don't know we don't know what the money is, what the cap is going to look like after this year. So, this it's, it's going to this is going to be very this is going to be a the very hard part is after is this season, <laughs> and how much yeah. how much cap space these teams are going to have. Yeah, yeah, Davin. I mean, that's the that I I mean I'm, you know, I've been I've been kind of fighting against that, but I think I think one of the things that kind of caught my eye when I'm just trying to. Uh, do a little research about this this topic was the fact that 14 players that were all assigned franchise tags none of them had reached an extension you know that shows you in a way that teams are basically kind of uh you know being uh, very uh mindful of the fact that they don't know what's what what's going to be for the next mm-hmm. year year or so you know so they've been very cautious with their money and uh you know uh kind of what we were kind of um Talk, intimating when we were to, talking about the subject before, you know, um, teams are just basically kind of taking things one one day at a time here. Um, we still don't know to what to what certainty that we're gonna have football played this year. So um, there's a lot of things up in the air. But that to me, that's a a positive for the Cowboys um, for Dak signing because I think that's gonna um, that basically says that he's gonna be a Cowboy for at least an, another year. He's not gonna be traded. And he's he's contractually obligated to show up. He can't hold out. So there you go. And I think that you know what you're saying with the cap. You know that is affecting so many, um, you know, so many issues with with the contracts about future contracts. And I think that has a little bit to do with Adams. If if the Jets really want to sign him, that has a lot to do with it because they don't know what next year is going to be. You know, like there in their mind. They could say, "Well, we don't want, we don't have to sign him next year, and he's going to get, I think, whatever it is, eight or nine million next year." Mm-hmm. But if they re-sign him, obviously he's going to get more. So that could be, and that could be another what seven, eight million, nine million, depending on how much he's going to get. So with, with so much uncertainty for next year's cap, uh, for next year's cap amount, you know, it's um, it's it's slowing down a lot of these things, and I think it's along with the Dak Prescott thing too. You know, right. that's why a lot of these teams are like, "Yo, let's let's go, let's get through this year, and then we'll 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 bang it out next year." You know. No, no. Speaking of that, uh, from what we heard earlier, uh, the NF uh, Goodell and the NFL uh, is basically allowing teams to have a, a capacity on fans. So, um, so how is that going to play along, Chris? Because we don't know. Like some of them states might not get no fans at all. So how's that going to play? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think th- the NFL could say, all right, we're going to have 50% or 75% or 25%, because I don't think they really know what these states are going to be like in a couple of months, in two, three months, four months down the road. Because we see now, um, 
Arizona, Texas, Florida, all these states are getting spikes now because, right. uh, you know, because they opened up maybe a little too soon, a little bit, whatever, and people got a little laxed with wearing the masks and social distancing, distancing, whatever, <laughs> and all that. So uh, um, I think um, I, I think it's going to be one of those, let's see what happens in September. Let's take this one step at a time and see where we, you know, see where each state is at. Um, at the time when they're going to play because, and then I've also seen too, and I think you guys have seen it with uh, teams are telling the season ticket holders, listen, if you don't want to pay for this year, you know, you'll still have your season tickets for 2021. Because this year there's no guarantee. There's no nothing what's going to happen this year. I mean, it's a, it's really going to be a crapshoot come September between the, the spike, the numbers being spiked now, you know, can they be lowered by then? what what you know what uh situation each state's going to be in and then you know the talk of this second wave we keep hearing that is that going to hit how bad it's going to hit so yeah i think it's going to be a week-to-week thing with uh attendance you know how much fans if any are going to be at the games yeah very true um i just i just i just hope that there are some kind of fans involved, um, maybe not in all of them, but at least some of them, so we can so we can still get that get that live action feel, you know, because hearing hearing it from like you know from the speakers, fake fans, <laughs> no fans, it's it's just gonna have a, a a weird feeling. It's not gonna have that natural feel that that we all used to, and you know, might be this might be the new normal. We still don't know yet. We won't know until maybe next year. So I'm just hoping something something will work out. And I mean the good thing is is that we figured out baseball is coming back. So that's good news. Um we just don't know what's gonna happen, but at least at least sports is coming back, so, so that's the good thing for now, you know. Uh so let's let's move right along. Um Charmin, uh Antonio Brown, uh he has two teams, uh the Ravens and the Seahawks, uh, possibly talking to him. Um, which team do you see fits more um, for Antonio Brown? Uh, the Seahawks. And and I'm not saying that just because, you know, Russell Wilson is my guy. Uh, I think if he has rehabilitated himself, like uh, Primetime has said, uh, Deion Sanders, uh, he's been working with, um, if he could just bring his talents to the NFL instead of his mouth and his behavior – Mm-hmm. Um, I think this guy could be a really big asset to a team. And I think for an offense like like Seattle, I think my only issue with Seattle is that uh I the mean the level of cre- <laughs> I mean it's, yeah, that that too, but the level of creativity from uh Mr. Schottenheimer, uh I mean that's probably the only, that would probably be my only question because um you know uh, we 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 know Mr. Schottenheimer very well. Yeah, he was uh, our he was the Jets' uh, offensive coordinator at one point. Um, we were hoping that he's grown, but when you watch some Seattle film and you see that they're basically just a run-based offense, and they do everything off a run, like they're still in the '90s or the '80s, um, it's kind of crazy to me. But if you have that kind of talent, you have Matt Calf on one side and AB on the other. With AB sometimes swinging in and in the slot sometimes, playing uh, playing Z sometimes, and 
I mean, I mean, it would be, I mean, it would be a matchup nightmare, especially with a quarterback like, uh, you know, like my guy. You know, you guys know how I feel. <laughs> so, 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 <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I mean, in reality. It, I mean, it just it it would just cause issues, man. I mean, that would be a matchup nightmare for a lot of teams. I think he just fits in what they do. I think I think the Ravens have what they have. The Ravens are what they are, and within I think the only thing reason why people keep saying the Ravens is because their wide receivers haven't really been a big part of the growth of this new offense, basically. Um, but I think it's not because. It's a. I don't think it's because of a lack of trying on the coach's part. I think the kids just need growing up a little bit and feeling their way into an offense that's a little bit unorthodox, you know. So, um, so I think I think they have a lot of talent at wide receiver. I just think that they just the wide. This is different for wide receiver. This kind of offense. So I think the more uh, these guys fit more into that offense, I think they'll understand their jobs a little bit more. I think you'll see that those riders should start taking off because they have a lot of speed outside on, on this in that wide receiver room. So, play, you know, playing off of those, you know, with those loaded boxes, with the way they run the ball and the misdirection and stuff like that. I think, um, I think, I think they were going to be a dangerous offense no matter what. I don't think they need to add AB. Seattle is going to be a problem if they could get that kind of talent. I think also too, you got to wait to hear from the commissioner or the NFL if he's going to get suspended at all, right? Because that was coming down as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you know, he might be out the first, you know, four games, maybe three games. But yeah. uh, hey, you know what? Talent-wise, we know he's he's up there. You know, he's definitely one of the best receivers in base uh, football, easily <laughs> uh, top two, three, wherever you want to put him, he's up there. So. Um, I, I mean, I hope for, for his sake, you know, his, his, his head's on straight and he can come back and play because the guy's a great talent. You know, he's a little bit uh, cuckoo off the, off the field, but uh, hopefully he'll straighten himself out and he can be back, you know. I mean, and he'll definitely help any of those teams remarkably. So wow. either one. I mean, he'll, he'll help out any team, actually. He's that good. So uh, I'm, I'm cheering for him to hopefully he gets back, but – you know what's what has happened in the past with him. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, he'll he'll get suspended definitely for the for three or four games a week. But all in all, in general, I think it'll work out for either team. <coughs> my fault, Sharma. You you had something to say or, or no? No, I'm good. Oh, I'm okay. Good. Uh, last topic before we get up out of here. Um, before we get into our interview. Uh. Speakers in every player's helmets would eliminate needing to be in the huddle. Um, Chris, how you how could you see that uh, being worked out um, due to the virus? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I know they're trying to keep people away from each other, but football is a contact game, and you know you're you're gonna have contact no matter what. Uh, I know they're trying to limit the contact as much as possible, and that might be an idea to put the the microphones in in every helmet so they don't have to huddle up. Um, but now you're kind of changing the game a little bit, you know, that there's no huddle. It's going to be a no huddle game the whole game. Um, I don't know. I, I just I, – I don't think they'll do that. I know I, I understand the, the – you know, the idea, but um, 
when I read it, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I, I'm thinking uh, the more I thought about it, I just, I don't know. I, I don't see it happening because you can't stop um, contact in football. So wh whether they, you know, huddle up or not, there's still going to, there's still going to be major contact going on in, in the NFL. So they might have to bring up a, something else, either some kind of a mask maybe, or I, uh, something. I, I just, I don't know if the, I don't think my, my thing is it's not going to make that much of an impact if they do it, because you're still going to have contact. You're still going to be not within, not six feet away from each other. You know, football is football. You know, we're not playing golf here where, you know, we're all separate. So I, I think it's going to, it is what it is. If, if they test every guy, maybe every day, every couple of days, and that, that's probably the best they could do. So I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't like this idea at all. Yeah, I um, I, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I understand why all these these whole you know these, these subjects come up. I understand, but like you said, I I am um not huddling is not the problem. Huddling is really not the issue as a football player, you know. Especially let's say you know you in you're talking about in the trenches, if you're playing defensive line and offensive line, how are you not huddling? You're basically up in each other's faces you know, constantly over and over again for the whole game, you know? So like you said, the only thing that makes sense in this whole conversation is the, is the application of some kind of mask. Uh, how do you do that without robbing players of oxygen? I don't know. I'm not a scientist, you know, but that, I think, I think that is that and the fact that the spike of, of uh, the spike of a uh, number of um, of people getting sick with coronavirus in those states is 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 the reason why Dr. Fauci came out and said that there's a real big chance there's no football. That's because you know at this moment I don't know if a lot of people have an answer you know of on on how to you know to play football without. In, you know, without spreading this stuff, you know what I mean. So I mean, this is this is crazy, man. I mean, we really need this. We need the return of this sport badly. You know, um, uh, I think we need a distraction, um, very very much so. Um, so this is gonna be like, you know, I hope I hope that. Well, not that I hope because I know for sure. Um, with all this money involved that the NFL is doing everything they can to try to figure something out. So I think uh, in the coming weeks, you will hear more ideas being floated out and um, you know, you will see. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I think, I think eventually an idea of some sort will come out. I think, I think the whole, the whole thing, the, I think the whole no huddling thing, I think, I don't, I think that's out I, because it doesn't matter. I mean, either way, I, I like the fact that uh, Goodell, Goodell and the owners are, are kind of being active and trying to find ways of how to uh, give us give us the sport that we love without, you know, without trying to make it so dramatic because of the, you know, the virus and everything that's going on. They trying to make the, you know, trying to make it safer, for, you know, not just, you know, for the players, even if we don't get no fans or whatever like that. So. Um, I hope they keep being active and just trying to find a solution to it, you know, before at least the season starts. Um, 
other than that, that's a, uh, that's about it for us. So um, when we come right back, we'll have our interview with Joe Blue from Just X Factor. So stay tuned. Welcome back, guys. Uh, and today we have a special guest. Uh, we've had him on before uh, from uh, Jets X Factor um, with uh, Michael Nani and Robbie Sabo. It's uh, Joe Blewett. Joe, what's up, man? How are you doing? Uh, as we we're talking about pre-show, I'm doing pretty well. Um, all things considered, uh, I'm excited for the season to start to and everything that's going on with social media right now with uh, Jamal Adams and worrying about that, I want to talk about actual football instead of who, what, when, where, why uh, this guy is going. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited for that. If the season can even happen, we don't know if it's going to at this point, which is kind of, which is kind of a shitty situation. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's not talk about all this me uh, social media stuff. Let's really talk about football, man. Uh, we haven't had you on for a while. So, uh, uh, what's what's your take on uh, uh, Joe Douglas's first uh, kind of uh, wade in the water when it came when it came to uh, um, free agent stuff, like the the guys he got in uh, the free agent stuff? Uh, yeah, so you know, obviously, uh, I go through all these guys for like an hour, hour and a half, two hours on YouTube doing all their breakdowns, so like we can get into a really deep conversation about each one of them. Um, there's some different like moves I would have liked to see him make overall in free agency. Um, but a lot of the problems with free agency is people act like on social media, they act like they know exactly what's going on um, in the front office. So examples of, okay, well, would I like Robbie Anderson back on his team for $11 million, let's say, instead of whatever Brashad Perryman got seven and a half, eight million, nine million, whatever it was, I really don't care. Um, but it's not something as simple as Madden is, okay, well, if you offer him a half a million dollars more than the Carolina Panthers, did he come back? You know, we don't know if Robbie Anderson wanted to come back to play for Madden Gase. We don't know if he um, was dead set on going to play in Carolina with rules. So, like, there's some things you don't really know what happened. So I can't really kill Joe Douglas for it, just like Graham Colasco. Like, you know, would you have liked to sign him? Would you have liked to sign Conklin for a couple more million over a guy like George Stan. Well, did they offer Conklin? Did they not? Like, I don't know exactly what happened with that. So there are some different things I would have liked to see overall, but um, I think all fans have to be happy that we obviously know that, um, you know, we're talking about free agency now, but both in the draft and free agency, he's, he's clearly taking a priority in the offensive line, which is something he promised to us as soon as he got hired, which is obviously quite necessary with how bad the Jets offensive line has been for, five, six, seven years at this point. You know, even when DeBrigashaw, Ferguson, and Mangold were getting older, they weren't necessarily good players, and the offensive line hasn't been addressed. It hasn't really been a plus unit since, what, probably 2010, 2011. So yes. um, it's, it's been quite a long time, especially when you have a rookie quarterback or, um, you know, a couple of years ago, and now Donald being in his second year last year, um, having a offensive line who can't block for more than three seconds is not really going to aid to the development. So I like that. Um, and I, I think he made some smart signings um, in terms of like, you know, Brashad Perryman after he lost out on, uh, after he lost out on Robbie Anderson. There's some things I definitely, I definitely like. Connor McGovern was something that was a necessity at this point. Uh, they've struggled at the center position for a while, which again, 
really hurts a, a, a you know a young quarterback because he's the one who calls the protections, all those things like that. So the center is probably a position that's undervalued by fans um, with how important it is, especially to a young quarterback. So I like um, that move. Pierre to stay a solid move. Like he he definitely addressed. The, he he knows the position that the Jets. Um, needed or you know needed and he attacked them now some of them obviously aren't done you know corners not done outside linebackers not done uh receivers not done you know etc but uh I, I like that he has a mind for what the Jets need and a lot of the stuff with the one-year contract another thing that people say oh well why didn't they just sign Brian Poole to a three-year 15 million dollar contract because Brian Poole <laughs> wouldn't sign that contract like you can't just offer it he's gonna take it no matter what and another question with all of that is, you know, a lot of – and there was a historic amount of one-year deals signed this year by both the Jets and the NFL. And is that, is that related to COVID? You know, is hmm. that because people don't know what the salary cap's going to be, so they don't want to defer their money out when the salary cap might be lower next year, and they might have to make tough roster decisions. So if you're going to sign a guy like, let's say, just even Brian Poole to a, to a three-year, $21 million contract, what if you can't afford that next year? So I think that's why the, the, a lot of the one-year deals were signed. Um, plus Joe Douglas wanted to have quick turnover just in case Gase is fired or whatever, and they can do a quick roster turnover. So I think if Gase does struggle this year, he should be fired and he will be fired, um, or at least you'd, you'd hope so. So um, interesting free agency. I definitely liked what he did. Uh, he didn't overspend for, for really anybody at all, in my opinion, uh, getting guys like pull back for what he did, getting a guy like Jenkins back for what he did. Uh, I thought he did a really good job in both that and attacking the positions that they, that they needed, even though they might have missed out on a player or two that, um, I might have wanted personally. Yeah, I um um I think uh, I think one of the the positions I, that was interesting um you kind of touched on a little bit is wide receiver um with uh, Doxon that they got a former um, wide uh, Redskins player and um, mm -hmm. and uh, Bashar Perriman. Um, what uh kind of expound a little bit on what do you, what do you see from uh, Perriman? What do you think he would bring uh to the Jets and he, can he really help Donald step up in his third year? Um, well, he's yeah. He, so he's a he's a kind of like a same type of player as Robbie Anderson, but not the same at the same time. If that makes any sense, which it which it really doesn't. <laughs> um, he's 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 a fast guy. Obviously, his his frame is much bigger than Robbie Anderson six two two fifteen versus whatever Anderson was six two six three. Uh, he's listed at 190, but I would bet my life savings he is not 190. He looks like 175, 170 at most. <laughs> um, and, you know, Perryman is a guy who obviously struggled his first couple of years with injuries and getting on the field and, and making plays with the Ravens, with the Browns, um, with the Buccaneers. But my thing with that is every situation is not linear. Uh, everybody doesn't grow. Okay, well, they didn't grow their first year. They have to grow their second year. There's guys who step up their third, fourth, fifth years um, in the NFL. So, no, I'm not expecting a guy who – you know, is Chris Godwin or one of the top deep threats in the NFL. But I think that Perryman is healthy and he continues on his trajectory from last year. Um, he could be a guy who is a, you know, relatively solid, you know, number two um, role type player. I don't think, like I said, he's going to be one of those top guys, but I think he could be a solid guy for, for Sam Donald, even though with saying that I would rather, ha rather have Rob Anderson over him just because of what, have, you know, what Rob Anderson has proved. But Perryman also has, um, the physical makeup that, that Anderson doesn't. So if, if he were to continue on his trajectory, he could be a more effective player because, you know, he can get off press more effectively. He, he could play Z. He can go through um, the middle of a defense. He could, he could uh, be a yak guy. Robbie Anderson was not a yak guy, and that's why I was so confused to see him on end arounds and things like that. When he, I don't know if I've ever seen him break a tackle, 
in his career. So um, he has, he has potential. Uh, and, you know, my, I broke it down myself. I broke it down with Marcus Coleman. We both think he has potential. He has to, he has to grow on some of the things he does at the line of scrimmage where you don't want to, you know, consistently uh, use that skip release that he does. You want to see him change it up. You want to see, you know, uh, see him be more ready for the hands, more active with his hands. You want to see him run routes more cleanly, um, which is all expected for, you know, I guess a air quotes, a younger type player, or I should really say a less experienced player. Um, but I, I think that in Tampa uh, last year, it wasn't just those what last four or five games. I think I showed it on film that there were games um, earlier in the season that he, he was open and that Jameis missed him, or he was just the, the third or fourth three because you had guys like Godwin and Evans um, and OJ Howard. So I, I like his potential. I'm higher on him than fans are. Um, and I'm not a guy who just blows smoke up Jets players' asses because, you know, I'll, I, I will crap on some guys and I probably <laughs> will on this show who I don't think are as good as some people think they are. Um, but I'm a little bit higher on, on Perryman than some others. Um, now, in terms of Doxon, a, a guy with, and I haven't done the film on him yet, um, and I might not even be able to. It depends on if the season comes or not and how soon it does. But uh, a guy who obviously has the physical makeup and all the tools you want and was really productive in college and had some flash plays with the Redskins. But there are the questions of the want to with him. And if you don't have the want to, um, you're not going to do it. So I, I can't get in his mindset and tell you what type of player he is because just like Tremaine Johnson, you know, he, he was a much better player with the Rams, un, uh, you know, unequivocally than with the Jets. Um, but he got that contract and he quit. You know, Muhammad Wilkerson was a guy who was obviously pretty damn good and he quit. So if Doxon doesn't have that um, want to, even though he has the ability, I, I, I can't really tell you what he's going to be because that, that all depends on him. If he gets his, you know, if he gets his, his uh, stuff together, um, then maybe he could be a, you know, a decent number four, number five. Uh, and if he lives up to what he's drafted, he could be a number, you know, a number two. I don't think that's going to happen. I think if you sign him and you get, you know, a role player who can come in for 10 snaps a game, you know, get 25, 30 catches for three, 400 yards. I, I think that's productive enough. Um, and that would be probably more than some fans expect, but I can't tell you exactly, you know, what he's, what he's thinking. Adam, just a quick question on top of with the wide receivers. Uh, which one do you, which player do you think is going to step it up out of the guys that we've had? I know you just talked about Perryman. He sounds like he might be one of those guys that might break out a little bit, but what other guy that we have on the roster currently that could break out? Um, yeah. So we, we all know Crowder, you know, solid slot receiver talked about Perryman. I think he's a guy like he said, who might step up. Um, I, I think, and this isn't even necessarily because of his skills, but I think of how highly Joe Douglas has spoke of him. Um, I think Vincent Smith is going to take a step up. Um, I'm not sure if that's necessarily because of skills or just how the Jets are planning to use him because he does seem like uh, a semi-focal point of the of the offense. So I, I think he'll be used more than some people think, whether that be ends around, sweeps, whatever it may be. Um, I think he has a role, and he's a relatively young guy who you, you know you hope can develop into a, into a role player as well. Um, but I, if I had to bet on one guy, it's, it's him. Um, maybe Barrios as that punt returner, you know, can he develop into a decent backup slot receiver? Uh, it, it's, it's yet to be seen, but he obviously offered something on special teams last year where he was a really effective punt returner. So hopefully he continues to develop to be that, like that special teams ace for the Jets in a backup slot. Um, so if I did bet on two guys, I, I guess it would be those. But um, obviously we'd like better depth at this point. I, I think everybody's lying if, or, or people are lying if they say they wouldn't have liked to see another receiver either signed or, or drafted this year for the Jets. So I'm not going to, you know, uh, again, blow smoke up these guys' asses. So, Do you see a possibility that they can add somebody 
later on in in the off season. Possibly. Yeah, I was, I was, I was, I was hoping they would. Uh, I was, I kept, I kept tweeting out that you know trade a fifth or a sixth for uh, Curtis Samuel if if the if the Panthers mm. really did want to get rid of him or you know a guy like a Taylor Gabriel who's still out there in, in free agency. I, I would like another depth guy because um, you know let's let's face it, Perryman has had some injury problems. Um, and Gates is a heavy 11 personal guy. So if you have one of these receivers, you know, uh, come out of the game, then your primary set is is going to have to include Vincent Smith, who's a huge question mark. Barrios, who's a huge question mark. Um, Mims, who I, I love, but is still a rookie um, without a rookie mini camp and without training camp and maybe without preceding games. So he's going to be more raw coming in or have less chances to improve than a regular typical uh, rookie receiver would um, this year in 2020, being what it is. So uh, I would like another another depth guy uh, signing for two, three million dollars, like a like I said, you know, whether it be trading for Kurt, uh, Curtis Samuel or Taylor Gabriel or one of those type of guys. Yeah. Um, uh, another position, I think that's a kind of a, a big question. Um, like you kind of touched on a little bit, uh, Joe Douglas definitely went out uh, attacking uh, the offensive line. Um, guard for the Jets. Uh, they re-signed Alex Lewis. Uh, Winters is still on the team. Um, uh, what do you think is the answer here? Uh, what, the sign anybody that we signed or, or uh, what, what do you think the answer is at guard for the Jets? Um, this year, I, I, I think it's hope and pray that somebody steps up. Um, obviously, like I said, I, I think the Jets um, offensive line is, is far from done. I think they're probably going to need at least another two starters within the next year. Um, if you're being hopeful, then it's probably one. Um, you'd hope that Cameron, uh, Cameron Clark, who I, I like a lot, you know, steps up and plays either left guard or right guard at, um, by the end of the season, midpoint of the season. So one of the guard spots you're hoping is Clark. Uh, and then the other guard spot, to be honest, it's probably a, a question mark and something that's going to be addressed next year. Listen, like I, I like Alex Lewis to a certain extent, but he's not a plus starter. Uh, there's a lot of times last year the Jets get a big run play, and it's a holding play by Alex Lewis. And now instead of, you know, first and ten from the opponent's thirty, it's it's second and twenty from the Jets' twenty. You know, on on, a, on one of those big plays that they you know rarely uh, got last year, and it felt like every time they did, it was Alex Lewis holding. Greg Van Roden, he again a below average guy who is relatively reliable when when he's in. He didn't give up. Um, a lot of hits and things like that. So I think he's a decent pass protector. But again, what, he's 31, 32 years old. So he's not the long-term answer. And then you have Brian Winters, who is consistently injured. So I think one of those spots, you're, you're hoping it's Cam Clark who steps up um, probably, you know, or hopefully by the midpoint to the end of the season. Um, I'm praying it's next to Mekhi Becton because I think watching Cam Clark and Mekhi Becton actually be really, really fun because they're both super aggressive guys. Um and then you're hoping that the other three guys, one of them can step up and play decently uh, for the rest of the season. And then uh, it, it's addressed next year. So I, I think it's, I think it's been addressed in terms of like bringing in Clark, you know, bringing in Van Roten um, for, for either depth purposes or, uh, purposes or as a starter, depending on how much they step up during camp and things like that. Um, but I think it's going to be addressed, you know, next year. Do you see Clark as a, as possibly taking over as starter this year? Or you think he's still raw that he won't – that it'll take a year to take it over? Yeah, it, I, I think it might take a year. Again, like I said, with wide receiver, with, with camp being shortened and things like that and less preseason games, it's going to be harder for guys to develop, especially offensive line an offensive lineman. With, with so, you need such cohesion 
um, and smarts to play that position. It's a lot about technique. It's a lot about learning how to work off the guy to the left and to the right of you. Um, and let's face it, Clark isn't a guy who's played guard uh, ever. So, hmm. you know, it might just seem easy. Again, Madden type stuff changes changes position from left tackle right, you know, to, to left guard or left guard. I mean, left tackle to left guard. And his overall goes down from a 78 to a 76 and he can develop there. It's not that easy. You know, you have to learn how to play next to a center. You have to learn how to how to play next to that tackle now. Now you have guys on both sides of you. So now you have to worry more about, you know, interior stunts and things like that. And you're not just consistently on the edge. So um, he has to learn a whole new position. So it's going to take a little bit of time and he has to um, work on his technique. He has to be more used to facing bigger guys uh, versus, you know, smaller guys in college. Obviously that goes for the edge too, but now instead of facing guys with 230 pounds, you know, that he's playing at Charlotte, He's going to be playing, you know, nose tackles who are 330 pounds on the interior. So he has to uh, develop into uh, being a, a guard. So I don't, I don't think it happens immediately. I, if I had to bet, it might be by the end of the season. Um, if a normal year, I would maybe say midpoint of the season because I, the guy's technique for where he came from, I, I think is pretty uh, solid. And he is a nasty guy and he seems like a competitor. I think he's a, uh, he even takes it a step above Beckton in terms of his nastiness. So I, I really do like him. Um, but I, I do think he needs time to develop. But like I said, I'm hoping that he does step up by the end of the year and the Jets know that they have one of those guard spots, you know, locked down. So next year they could really focus um, most likely on one of the guard spots and, and potentially right tackle. But um, at this point, you're obviously hoping a Doga or a Fant, you know, develop into that, into that long-term starter there. So. Yeah, um, that the I'm glad you brought up Fant because uh, uh, Jets fans and a lot of uh, uh, NFL people were kind of questionable about the the amount of money that the Jets gave him. Number one, uh, kind of uh, said that he was going to play left tackle, and then the Jets uh, drafted Makai Becton, and um, and people kind of killed him because they said he wasn't that good of a starter, and they don't understand why the Jets gave him money. What did you see? Uh, um, um, what did you see about Jeff, uh, about uh, George Fant? Yeah, so um, when I do that film review, I haven't done it yet. It's going to come out, you know, relatively soon. Um, <laughs> the first, the first ten to fifteen to twenty plays are going to be absolutely brutal to watch because the 2018 season he was absolutely dreadful at right tackle. Um, midpoint of the 2019 season, he started to take steps in the right direction, and then by the end of the season. You know, people only uh, our people frequently talk about the game against Nick Bosa, and I think it was a game against the the Eagles uh, late in that season two where he played uh, pretty well. Uh, obviously, you know, really athletic guy. He has good length. He's quick. He has speed in the open field. Really loose hips. Um, can cover ground really really quickly. So, I like his athletic ability. You know, plus his size um, at six five, uh, three twenty two. So he's a really interesting you know, height, speed, weight type guy um, who is a really fluid mover and who also, you know, packs some power. So he's a guy who, again, I, I don't think every situation is linear. And he comes in um, as a, I think he's a tight end in college, you know, played backup tackle um, in the NFL for his first couple of years and was developing, you know, at a decently night, uh, nice rate, uh, nice rate, you know, from 2018 to 2019. So I think the Jets, they probably did overpay for him. I, I think that was because of the fear that they weren't going to get, you know, anybody in the draft. So if, if they did, uh, you know, if, if Beck didn't work, et cetera, didn't fall to 11, they wanted a guy um, who can come in and at least play. So I think they overpaid uh, him as a kind of like a backup plan 
um, and, and really wanted to secure him. So I, I, he, I think he's going to be competing with Tumodoga at right tackle. Um, he obviously played better at left tackle when he was playing. I, I don't think it's actually left tackle versus right tackle. That's the reason he played better. I just think he took steps up in the right direction with his technique. So that's going to be an interesting battle to see. Um, I do think they overpaid him by a couple of million dollars. But, you know, when you're considering Shell got five, five and a half million dollars from Seattle, you know, maybe <laughs> fans should have got seven, seven and a half million dollars instead of nine. So, or I think, I think it's nine or right around nine or 10. Um, so they overpaid yeah. a little bit, but I think that Joe Douglas is, is betting on him to, con- uh, to con- continue to develop in, in the right direction. I think he's about 28 years old. So it's not a position where, okay, you know, you're betting on a 28 year old running back to take steps in the right direction. If, if he does take steps in the right direction and he ends up as a, let's say an average tackle, that's a huge win for the Jets because I think you can get away on an offensive line with like, you know, three plus starters and two average guys and be a really solid unit if you had that cohesion. So um, I think they're, they're, they're banking on that. Um, and I think he will end up starting at right tackle for the Jets. Um, but at the same time, if Adoga takes steps in the right direction, he beats him out, then, then great for Adoga. And then hopefully he's the, the long-term right tackle. So I think at the end of the season, you're hoping for one of those guys to, to prove they're a starter. And like I said, you know, transitioning back to guard, you have one position to replace in the offensive line next year. And then you can start looking at positions more like, you know, outside linebacker, corner receiver, um, next year instead of having that heavy focus on the offensive line, even though I still think there will be some type of focus on it because that that's what Joe Douglas does. Yeah. Um, the, 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 def- the um, continuation with the offensive line with the uh, first draft, uh, first pick in the draft, uh, Makai Becton. I know um, every Jets fan has seen the, um, the highlights of him throwing human beings all over the place in the run game. Mm-hmm. There was a, a lot of uh, folks came out and said that, uh, which uh, is kind of true that in Louisville, he wasn't really asked to uh, pass block that much. Um, is that going to be an issue for uh, for Bakai Becton uh, coming into the league? Yeah. Um, so, again, I just did another, another re- uh, review on him where I did the first review and then the second review, I was able to get all 22 from a source I could not confirm. Um, and he, he, uh, I was able to get, I think, uh, let's see what games I was able to get, uh, Boston college, Wake Forest, Virginia, Miami, uh, Miami, Syracuse, uh, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Florida state games. I did not see in the past when I did my first review. Um, and they, fo- they and I focused heavily on pass sets. And I, I think in terms of his pass sets, um, I definitely, you know, learned some things I didn't in, in the past or that I didn't know in the past, you know, he has small balance steps in pass pressure. I think he uses his length well. I think he stays pretty square. You know, his, his hands typically land, uh, land inside. Uh, obviously, you saw the, the ultra-rare movement skills that he possesses in pass pro. So, I think he definitely has the ability. And when he, wa- when he was asked to do more vertical sets, 45-degree sets at Louisville instead of, uh, you know, the play action, um, you know, pass blocking where it's more of like a run block transitioning to a pass block. So, it's not a, a typical – uh, pass block you're going to see as much in the NFL, especially with the Jets, who are, you know, a heavy 11 personnel shotgun base type team. Um, so he's going to have to do more vertical sets. Um, I, so I, th- I think it was a I, – I was higher on him after watching those those reps. Now there are, you know, weaknesses he has in, in the past game. You know, his hands land a little bit high. You know, he has to learn how to, how to shoot his punches a little bit different where he's a little bit too predictive. Um, I think there was a lot of instances where he could have used his length even better and, and shot some fake hands or done some circle punches that he didn't take advantage of. Uh, he did versus Notre Dame. I don't know where Notre Dame fell on their season, the schedule. 
Um, so I don't know if that was later towards the season or not, but there's definitely things he needs to work on. So I, I think in a one-on-one scenario, he'll be solid because he's a guy who, because of how freakishly athletic he is and how freakishly big he is, his technique doesn't need to be amazing because his size makes up for it a little bit. So he could be a step late um, or maybe, you know, overshoot his hands and be a little bit off balance because, but because he doesn't need to generate full power to be in, in any way impactful. And he could be a little bit off balance because of his strength. Um, he has the room to not be great technically, but still be a great player. Um, I think the weakness will come with more of the recognition skills, you know, because he wasn't asked to do it in, in Louisville one and two, uh, uh, you know, NFL throw a lot more co- complexities at you with blitzes and things like that. So um, there were instances where, where, you know, on stunts where he'd carry the guy too far inside, his eyes would be locked into that guy and he wouldn't notice the DB creeping up you know, uh, pre-snap, and then the DB would get a hit on a quarterback. So there's some things he's going to need to learn um, in terms of his recognition skills, both pre-snap and post-snap, keeping more active eyes and things like that. Um, but I think on a one-on-one type scenario, I think he'll be pretty solid. Um, but you might see him give up a couple sacks because, like I said, you know, of uh, the com- uh, complexity in uh, stunts and blitzes in the NFL level um, and not having a lot of experience with being at Louisville. And like I said, with just in general, the – college defense uh, or college defense is not being as complex as NFL defenses. So a lot of tackles might struggle with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. This kid, this kid looks like he's going to be special, man. Um, I hope he pans out uh, for us. Uh, we haven't had a kind of a kind of offensive lineman of that caliber in a while. Probably brick was the last guy, not probably. Yeah. Brick was the last guy. Um, so Mims, um, I mean, why did this guy fall, man? I think that was like one of the biggest surprises of the draft night. One of the biggest surprises in draft night uh, that Denzel Mims fell, even after the Jets basically traded back. Um, is he going to be special? Because he looks like it, man. He produced a lot in college. Uh, ridiculous wingspan, uh, sub 4-4 speed. Uh, what do you think of him? Yeah, and, you know, in terms of adding on to his physical profile, 33 and seven, seventh, eighth, uh, eighth inch arms, which is really impressive. That's, that's like the borderline for what you want for an offensive tackle. So for him to have that as a receiver is really nice. The 38.5 inch vert, uh, the 6.66 three cone, which is really, really impressive for a guy of his size, 131 inch broad. Like he, he has a physical makeup. Um, I, I can't tell you why he fell. I, I really, I don't know. There was guys drafted over him, Van Jefferson, um, et cetera, et cetera. You can go through the whole list where I would have took Mims over them. I, th- I think at the end of the day, Mims was my number four or five guy on the board, and there was what, tw- uh, 11, 12 receivers taken over him. So I don't know why it happened, to be completely honest. And really all to say again, and, you know, sorry to start, uh, keep plugging the show, but Marcus Coleman was on. We broke down Mims' film, and he feels that Mims could be easily, the, uh, you know, a number one receiver and could be a top five, top ten receiver in the NFL. Obviously, if he, if he continues to produce, to produce and grow he has a physical makeup to do it um he showed me a lot you know at, at Baylor um like I said with the obvious size speed weight combo um he's a super physical guy and he can win you know any deep ball because his ability to catch balls outside of his frame and extend um and just arches back for an extra two inches out of his fingers is ridiculous um and I don't, you know, and many, many more things, tracking the ball well, uh, red zone weapons, you know, strength, blocker, aggressive minds. Like there's so many things, you know, there's a lot of things I wrote, wrote down. I don't want to bore you guys with all the strengths and weaknesses. 
Um, but he is definitely a freakish wide receiver who made some freakish catches, who runs routes really interesting. Um, there's a couple of plays that I put up, and this is something that not a lot of people would notice, but I broke down a hitch route for like three minutes um, because I thought it was super interesting because he he's a guy who technically needs work in terms of his route running. Um, in press, he needs to use his hands more. Um, I think he needs to diversify his re- his releases. Um, there's some times I would like to see him hold his line, hold his stem a little bit better, lean into guys, things like that. Um, but that hitch route is really interesting because for a guy, and I'm not I'm not talking about just his hitch route in general. I'm talking about the one route that I'm gonna gonna reference. Um, he is a guy who technically he's not great out of his breaks, but still gets out of his breaks fast. And for a guy with his his like I said his, his height weight combo. You usually don't see guys at 6'3 getting out of breaks as fast as he does. And he's doing it with bad technique where um, I think on that one specific play, he, he was overextended in his legs where you don't really want to jump into a break. You want to slam down into a break. And he jumped into a break, uh, leaned out of it early, didn't commit to the break. Um, and it was still really sharp, which is interesting because if he were to, you know, slam down, commit his second step to the break um, – have his eyes out at a proper time instead of looking at the break early, it would have been even that much more sharp. And like I said, for a guy that uh, big, it was it's really interesting thing to watch how how sharp his routes can be, um, even with poor technique. So he cleans it up, which I think he he will because he has a guy um, in Sean Jefferson who obviously coached Van Jefferson, and Van Jefferson was one of the cleanest route runners in the in you know college football, and that's why he was drafted where he was. So if you add Denzel Mims' freakish ability to um, you know, Van Jefferson's route running ability, uh, you're looking at a legit, you know, number one guy. And I think the comparison I made to him or, or for him in the NFL level was like an AJ Green type, um, tall, lanky, physical wow. type guy. Um, I think he could be that type of guy for the Jets. Um, obviously, they have some different characteristics, but I, I think AJ Green is probably the best comparison um, for him. I see the people making like uh, Chris Godwin and DeAndre Hopkins. I think, I think he, he definitely has more. Uh, speed than DeAndre Hopkins, where AJ Green is. A, I think he's more physical than people realize in his routes, and he's obviously a guy who can burn you deep too. So, um, while also not being Deshaun Jackson at the same time, so I think he could develop into that. Now, will he? I, I can't guarantee that. We, you, you know, you don't know. If if he was guaranteed to be AJ Green, um, he would have been a top <laughs> ten pick, and and he wasn't. So there are some things he needs to work on. Obviously, Baylor, you know, they didn't run a diversified route tree, um, so you want to see him run more routes, but. And which is something interesting, too, because people always bring – and I'm sure you guys heard it. Oh, he's not a yak guy. Okay, well, if he's not a – you know, if he's not a yak guy, then, tell, you know, is there a reason why he wasn't a yak guy? Is there a reason the film says he wasn't, which there was? And if you're running a ton of fade routes, how are you supposed to get yak after a fade? It, it's very unlikely unless you're going to go up, catch the ball, break a tackle, um, and then start running full speed. It's not like you know, he's at Oklahoma where C.D. Lamb was running a bunch of slants and over routes versus no coverage. And then could, can run with the ball. That's why I wasn't as high on C.D. Lamb as some other people works. I think he's, you know, to, to be a little bit honest, a little bit overrated. So um, I, I liked Mims. I didn't think the Baylor system helped, you know, Baylor system helped him a lot. Um, but I, I think he could be that legit number one for the Jets. Now, obviously, like I've been saying with all the rookies, is that going to happen year one? No, I don't think so. Um, he definitely need, does need development. But I think if you're looking at a um, and I'm not a big stats guy, but if you're looking at like a 50 catch season for around 700 yards, you know, seven, eight touchdowns, I think that's a successful season for Mims. So I think he could be, you know, a guy who's, who's getting 80, 90 catches, 1,200 yards and, and 10, 12 touchdowns um, in the future, if not better than that. I, I really do um, have a high opinion of what Mims can be based on what I saw from him um, in college. 
Yeah, man. I mean, I mean, Green. I mean, if he could, if he could be anything like that, man. I mean, I, I think all Jets fans would be pretty happy with that. Um, I, the question here is, uh, who is Lamichael P. Ryan? I mean, I don't know a lot. He's of, he's, um, he's 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 Lamichael P. Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, as a as a running back, is like to in my opinion, he was. Um, it was, it was like under under the radar in my opinion um more productive than i thought when looking at his numbers at you know um at florida um what did you see on the film uh yeah so he's not like and people wanted the the i think i think it was Anthony McFarlane that everybody was talking about when when they were picking Michael Piran and and you can make an argument for him it's not it's not a pick i necessarily love but not one i hate either i, I think he's going to be a guy who could be um, an effective back in a you know, split carry type 50-50 role that the NFL usually um, uses anywhere. Teams usually uh, use anyway, where you don't really have a lot of true lead back number one type guys like, you know, like Zeke and, and uh, like Bell should be and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, Barkley, whoever you want to name. Um, so I think he could be like a, a solid number two change of pace type back who's solid at everything. And listen, again, and I don't want anybody to think I'm comparing him to, to Frank Gore, but what is Frank Gore super special at but he's also going to go to the hall of fame so you don't you don't if you're if you're a good football player you're a good football player and you don't necessarily need traits like yeah you want traits you you want speed at a corner and fluidity in your hips and a receiver you want to be able to catch balls outside your frame like there's a bunch of things you want but there's plenty of guys who um don't have those traits like you know just like the last couple of years guys who are probably going to go hall of fame larry fitzgerald Terrell Suggs, like there's plenty of people who are out there who don't necessarily have the best traits, but are really solid players. And I think um, a guy like Kareem is a, is a number two change of pace type back um, who might, you know, end up being a Blau Powell type, a little bit different than Blau Powell. I think Blau Powell has more athletic ability, but Kareem has more contact balance and power, um, but the same type of guy. And, and I think honestly that if you, if, if Kareem ends up being Blau Powell or have that type of career, maybe use a little bit more than Powell would have or should have been, or I mean was because Powell, I, I think was criminally underused in some of those years, 2014, 15, 16, et cetera. Yes. Um, very much I, so. I, I, I think people would be happy with that. So he's a fourth round running back who has a lot of good things, you know, contact balance, um, turns for extra yards. He's a good route runner. He has good hands. You know, I, I think he manipulates defenders to, to open holes for him. He's a, he's a patient guy. Um, now we know he's not going to blow the top off the defense and, and there are some weaknesses, you know, his, his uh, change of direction, his burst, you know, he's, he's not necessarily a guy who's going to jump cut three gaps over and burst through a hole where he's more of like a one cut type runner, uh, hit the hole and maybe, you know, consistently gain three, four, five yards instead of a guy like a McFarland or whatever running back he wanted who might lose two yards on a play because he tries to bounce it and use his athletic ability. But then the next play he might, you know, throw, uh, throw out a 50 yard gain. So He's not ever going to, you know, beat a defense with speed or his athletic ability. But I, I, I think a solid type number two is a, is a, is a decent pick for, you know, a fourth-round pick. And listen, like, like I said, people might have wanted to go for the home run guy. But at the same time, it was a, it was a safe pick. I, I think he's going to be a solid player. There's not a lot of film um, that I'm seeing from him that, that indicates that he's going to be any type of bust. So I think the Jets was a safe guy and, and guaranteed themselves a, a solid number two type running back in the future. And I, I think that's fine for – uh, a fourth round pick where the other guys who were drafted might have end up being bust, you know, so I'm, I'm okay with it. Now, obviously if they were to draft the McFarland or whoever you wanted and he ends up being a legit number one back, like we see a lot of the later round guys be, um, then yeah, sure. Kill the pick. But 
I think it was a safe pick that wasn't necessarily a bad one, just maybe not necessarily Jets fans' favorites. Yeah, um, I, I think, I think uh, like I said, the question was, uh, I think um, he was uh, uh, under the radar because, like you said, the other names were bigger guys that were home run hitters more than he was. Um, uh, the answer for a pass rush at, for the Jets, uh, um, they drafted, uh, I think Jabari Zuniga is the name, yeah, um, uh, mm-hmm. from Florida. Um, what do you, um, I think I think a lot of Jets fans kind of was nervous because the last time we picked a, an edge rusher from Florida, you know what happened? Um, yeah. uh, what's what's special about this kid? Yeah, but the thing, like you know, that that's such that's a, you you know, I'm sure you guys know that's just that's that's a lazy comparison, you know. Okay, well, course, yes, now, now 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 you can't now you can't draft Sam Darnold because Matt Liner got drafted and so did Mark Sanchez. Like you now you do. we obviously we can't do that. Um, so. <laughs> And they're different players too. Uh, obviously, the you know where I, I think that Zuniga is more of a technically refined player, more of a power type player than, um, geez, I'm already forgetting his up. Uh, what the hell? Uh, yeah, whatever the I, Florida guy is we drafted. Whatever I don't know his name was. His name. Oh, um, whatever the hell. Wow, yeah, I can't believe I blanked out on that. Chris, do you uh, remember his name? <laughs> Which one? Oh. From oh, the, polite? The, the, yeah, polite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Polite. Yeah, polite. <laughs> trying to forget that, his name. <laughs> isn't it bad that we drafted him in the, what, that was in the third round, too, and he's already off the yeah. team, and I'm forgetting his name. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, with a guy who could have <laughs> been on a top. Uh, I, think he's on a, I think he's on the Seahawks or the Rams, like, practice squad, or he, or oh, yes. he was. He was on yeah. the Seahawks practice squad. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, so they're, they're obviously different players. You can't compare the, the you know, the, the two guys um, where Polite was a guy who's going to be, you know, used or he should have been used as a guy who's like a nine-tech speed rusher off of the off of the edge where Zuniga is a guy who I think is going to have his hand in the dirt a little bit more. He could set the edge um, and you've heard it, you know, cycled around there, which but it's true that he could be, you know, pushed to the inside on, on nickel and, and dime situations where he could uh, be an explosive pass rusher from the interior you know, from the interior on pass downs because obviously you don't want him there, you know, holding two gaps in the run game because he's only, what, I think he's like 260 pounds or something like that. So he's not big enough for that. But a guy who's relatively, you know, versatile, explosive, you know, burst off the snap. I think he has good power in his hands and hand placement. Uh, He showed some effective moves, you know, whether it be a rip of clubs, swipes, bull rushes, jerks, whatever it might have been. Uh, I think he's going to be a really effective player in the run game. Now he does have weaknesses, you know, his, his bend um, really isn't there. Um, you know, he does have straight line speed. He doesn't have that athletic ability. He's, he's laterally not super mobile. Um, his arms are a little bit short. His tackle radius is a little bit short. You're going to see some broken tackles that shouldn't necessarily be there. So I think he's a guy who, again, is not a top, you know, not a uh, high ceiling guy. Like he's not going to be an edge rusher who gets 10, 12, 13 sacks like Jets fans want and, like Jets fans need to be completely honest, it's been criminally um, under addressed, I, I think, in the last 20 years. And I don't have to bring up the name from the past because everybody says it um, that the Jets <laughs> haven't had this guy since this guy. We all know what I'm going to say. So, and, yes. they, and they need it. It's, it's, one of the, it's one of the most important positions on the football field, whether it be for offense or defense. I don't think it's necessarily addressed. I, I think they address some depth in it. I think Zuniga could be a little bit different, but. You know, Jordan Jenkins, Calvin Pace type guy, even though a little bit more explosive than them. Uh, you're still looking at a guy who's 260 who ran like a – I think he's like a 464. So he has that explosive straight line ability, even though he's not super bendy and twitchy like a guy like 
you know, Brian Burns or Josh Allen or whoever you want to call it. Um, so I think he's going to be like a, a decent role player. I don't think he's going to be a, a top-notch sack getter type guy. I think he's a versatile guy who can play many roles, but not necessarily excel at one. But if he was to excel at one, it would probably be run game. And like I said, blitzing from the interior um, on, you know, passing uh, – in, in passing situations. So a decent pick, again, not one that I'm necessarily in love with. But there's, there's a lot of picks in those rounds I'm not in love with. Like you turn on the film of these guys – and people think it's going to be, you know, gorgeous film, but they wouldn't have been drafted at that point if they, if you know, if if it was great. Like a lot of people, I'm going to do a, a Lawrence Cage review. I'm sure that people are going to be disappointed with that one. Uh, Greg Dortch <laughs> last year. I'm not sure if you ever, if any guys saw the Greg Dortch one, but I thought I the Greg Dortch one, and I absolutely torched the guy. And then he gets cut because he wasn't a good player. Like you know, the undrafted guys usually aren't. Um, we might address Bryce Huff later. I'm a little bit higher on him. And maybe some others. And this year was a little bit different. So I will give the undrafted guys the, the benefit of the doubt in terms of like, okay, well, you know, if they were injured and they wanted to do the pro day, they couldn't do the pro day because of all, all coronavirus. Like, yeah, there was, there's a little bit of a difference this year, but you know, if you're a third round pick, fourth round pick, fifth round pick, there's probably a reason for it. So I'm not going to be in, necessarily in love with any third, fourth, fifth round pick because there will be their weaknesses. But uh, again, Zuniga, He's like a he's like a B type pick. Like he's not an A plus. He's not an A minus. Not a B plus, but he's not a C or a D either. I think I think he's a solid pick, um, at a at a position that needs uh, or a position of need. So. Yeah. Um. Can you uh um expand on uh Bryce Huff since we're talking about pass rush? Because yeah, I kind of like I kind of like that kid too. Uh, what did you think? Yeah. Yeah. I'm about to put out his review. Uh, I think I'm gonna put out some plays today and probably finish up the review today. Um. He's a guy who has he's a he's a traits type player. Um, a really he, he uses that Aaron Donald move where it's it's the jump into the swipe rip um, that he uses frequently from the edge. Um, a guy with a super thick frame um, who has really good athletic traits. I'm sure if you would have ran a forty, it'd been like a four six. Um, good bend, good power through his bend. Um, so he, he's a traits type player, but he's obviously. Again, limited. Like I don't think he's going to be a guy who comes in and plays all three downs for you. I, I think this year and even maybe into the future, obviously he needs to develop. But at this point, he's projected as like a a, a third down rush type special specialist off the edge because you don't want him set in the the edge in the run game. Even though I think he has the power to do it, and he's had some interesting flashes of power in the run game, power in his hands, um, stacking and shedding. But it's just not frequent enough where you can rely on him. Um, and in the pass rush game, like his speed to power too. It's something that he shows that he can do interior spins, interior chops where he's crossing the tackle spaces. Like he does that stuff, but a lot of times you see him locked up because he just tries to frequently dip around the guy or, or do that swipe rip um, that he implies all the time or, or deploys all the time. So he's a guy with limited moves and he needs to diversify, uh, diversify his skill set as well. Um, but uh, I, I think for an undrafted guy, I, I think that's his steal. Like, that's the pick I definitely like. I, I think he could have easily been. Honestly, I wouldn't have been surprised if he was drafted in the fourth or fifth round. Um, so I, I think he can develop into a, again, a, a special, uh, or not a special, a, a rusher specialist type guy where he's on third downs. Um, so we'll see what happens. But I, I definitely like that undrafted guy. Yeah, um, I think I think this guy here is probably the steal of the draft, in my opinion, uh, Bryce Hall. Um, I know yeah. you uh, you mentioned a little bit uh, that you all you have Marcus Coleman, former Jets cornerback, always on your show, mm -hmm. uh, breaking down film. Uh, you you and uh, Marcus uh, had the show breaking down his film. Uh, kind of tell Jets fans uh, what do you guys uh, what do you guys came up with? What do you see from Bryce Hall? 
Yeah, and this is a guy who strictly fell because of injuries and, uh, you know, NFL teams and doctors not being able to check him out medically. So that was the issue. And me and Marcus talked about it. We both have torn – I, I tore my shoulder, my groin, and he tore, I think, his shoulder as well on the NFL level. And obviously it's different when you're playing NFL versus high school. Um, so it's something that we both agree is something you're always going to deal with. I'm not sure if you guys have ever, ever tore anything, but it's something that can act up if you don't, if you don't treat it properly. Um, even years after the injury. So something that never fully heals. So I am a little bit concerned with the torn ligaments. I believe it was in his knee. I, he, he yeah. broke his, he broke his leg or he broke his knee, but he also tore his, I think MCL and ACL. So it's something that's going to frequently need to be addressed, but he's also a guy who you hear um, from, you know, Virginia that he was a guy who was never literally like never not in, or I don't know if that's the proper phrasing, never not in the training room, never, uh, he was always, he's always in the film room. Like he's a guy who's super dedicated. So I think if, if, you know, if you are worried about the injury, which you should be, um, it's a little bit less concerning just because I know, you know, um, I know Hall will uh, address it properly and he will take care of it days off, et cetera, during the off season, because he's a guy who seems to be super dedicated. Um, probably the most out of any of the picks that the Jets made. He seems like a good character type guy, which I think, I think a lot of them are good character type guys, but, um, Hall is the is the definition of a good character type guy from what you hear of him. So um, that's a positive. But in terms of him on the field, uh, I think he easily could have been a, a second round pick um, if he was drafted this year. Maybe even a first round pick. Um, let's be honest. There were some guys who uh, were the, the Raiders drafted with David David Arnett or whatever, like the yeah. late teens. So I, I, you know, there's guys who I would definitely take. Um, who or I would I would take Hall over guys. Some of the guys who were taken in the first round by some teams. So. Uh, High effort player, size, again, another size type player, 6'1", 202, 32 um, inch arms, you know, good recognition, good click and close, uh, willing tackler, high effort, willing in the run game. Um, is, is pretty patient and pressed. He'll get his hands on. Um, so he's a guy who you might not want to match one-on-one -on -one with a speed type guy in off coverage. Um, but I think if you're asking him to stay over the top in like a cover three where he's able to use his size to – to, uh, to stack the guy and stay over top of him, then fine. Um, if you are going to ask him to play man coverage, I would definitely like to be impressed, even though he does have good click and close, but his, his fluidity in his hips is not necessarily, um, you know, an A-plus type trait. Um, but he's, he's, that, he's a guy who I could see easily being, you know, a, a number two guy. Um, I, I wouldn't, like I said, I wouldn't want him matching up necessarily on Julio Jones or any of these freaky type guys, but I think he's a guy who, um, could be a starter um, at the NFL level because of how good his technique is and how good um, his size is and strength. But, you know, and listen, there's guys who, again, don't have the best technical traits. So I, I shouldn't say, oh, he can't be number one because, you know, Richard Sherman is a guy who ran like a 4-6. You know, Brandon Browner. Um, there's yep. plenty of guys out there who, who didn't necessarily run great, but they need to be used in the correct way. You know, Sherman is a guy, you know, again, a guy who was used in a cover three type role um, and that's a little bit better than some people think it is for guys who don't, who aren't fast twitch type guys where a lot of people think, oh, well, he's not a fast corner, you know, put him in cover two. Cover two, you are asked to do a lot, like, <laughs> like, like covering the flat um, and the guys over the top, like, let's just say a simple smash concept. You have a corner, um, you have a corner out from the slot and then a, and a flat from the running back or, or, you know, a hitch from the, from the one. You're asked to, to match underneath that, that second, that, that second route from, uh, with the, being the, uh, the corner and then drop and get to the, the hitch. Like you need, you need to cover a lot of space and it might not be vertical space, but a lot of space in that short area. So you need to be a super twitchy, fast guy to play effectively in cover two. 
Um, so people think, okay, that's just an easy thing for guys who aren't athletic to play, but it's actually not true. If you look at the film, uh, I would say cover three is more of the, more of the defense you want to play with guys who are bigger. Um, but he, ha he has ability. Um, now, how does the injury um, play out? Again, I'm not sure. I'm not a doctor. I haven't looked at his knee. And even if I was, I would have no freaking idea what I'm talking about. But <laughs> it, you're, I think he's a guy in the future who could be, um, again, a, a starter for the Jets. Again, is that year one? I don't know. But um, I'm going to take him. Um, like literally right now, if I had to pick him or any other Jets corner going forward, it's, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely him, obviously. Um, you know, hopefully considering that the, the medical isn't as bad, um, as some people think it is, which I don't think it is, you know, especially with the technology in the NFL nowadays and, uh, training staffs and things like that, if it's properly addressed it, you know, it could be a concern. Um, but I don't think it's as big of a concern as it was in like the early 2000s, uh, and things like that. When some guy tore his ACL and he's pretty much done, it's not like that anymore. So. Yo, what's your what's your thoughts on the the quarterback room as a whole? Obviously, it's got to be better than what it was last year. We had so many injuries. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you like it going into this season? Yeah, so, and and the thing I, I think I talked about this like recently. The thing about last year is interesting is like fans like a lot of like Monday morning quarterbacking, which you know, in referencing quarterback now, a lot of people <laughs> were happy with Trevor Simeon. Okay, thirteen twelve as a starter, good backup, and then you hear people talk this year. And it's, oh, my God, the Jets did nothing to address, address back a quarterback. But we were all happy with Simeon. Simeon's the guy who's won games as a starter. So um, I don't have a problem with what they did going into last year. Now I have a problem with just consistently throwing Falk and Webb out there because they're absolutely terrible. Um, or no, not, not – not, uh, well, no, it was, it was not Webb. It was Falk and uh, Fails, Fails or wherever. No, I, I, yeah, I meant so. cornerback. Corner. Cornerback, not quarterback. Oh, oh, cornerback. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, uh, cornerback. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, right. you, you, you got a quick. Uh, so I'll, I'll go both. Uh, quarterback, sure, great. Flacco, cool. Not a good player anymore. Decent backup. Um, Morgan, maybe we'll talk about him in the future, but a good, you know, developmental guy. Cornerback, um, it's not as bad as last year, which is a positive. Uh, Roberts was Roberts was terribly overpaid and not a good player. A guy who, again, a lot of fans saw him play a couple of games and make a couple of plays, but I was I was trimming from the mountaintops. He should not be a starter at all. Maybe a decent number four guy, but that was about it. Um, he started and he played terribly. I think um, I remember you saw that on last year. What do you say? I said I. I think I remember you telling us that last year on the podcast when 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 you came on. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wasn't <laughs> impressed with this film at all. I wasn't comfortable with him getting a contract. He did. Uh, Tremaine Johnson. He people wanted him cut in the beginning of last year. He got he's garbage. He's, he, yeah, he's 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 the worst signing. The well. Maybe, maybe I should pause on that. The Jets have made some pretty bad One, one of the worst signings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're looking at guys like, you know, even like draft picks, Polite, Hackenberg, Tremaine Johnson, Wilkerson. Like, those are the four probably that come into mind first. But um, he was absolute trash. So, he, he wasn't even, like, on the team last year, how bad he was. And, uh, like I said, Marcus Coleman knows some guys, and, and he knows people who know Tremaine Johnson. And uh, he confirmed that he kind of gave up, which is, you know, it's like something great to hear for guys making that much money. Um, and and in the room this year, it, it's you know it went from last year being probably one of the worst bottom three in the NFL. For being completely honest, I'm not looking at it through the Jets fan glasses. Um, mm -hmm. To maybe to maybe let's say below average, you know, uh, maybe in that 20 to 23, 24 range, which again is a, is a step in the in the right direction. Um, but people kind of overhyped the Jets cornerback room late in the year when they had Mollette and Austin because they were playing you know, all the quarterbacks that did Mason Rudolph, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They weren't playing great guys who weren't necessarily testing them. And if they were playing guys like Russell Wilson, Pat Mahomes, it would have been a lot different of a story. So 
Um, I think they're overhyped and people overhype who Bless Austin and Mallet are. But with saying that, you're bringing a guy in this year who, and, and don't think this is necessarily a bad thing, I, he gives me the vibes of like a 2017 Morris Claiborne. But like he's decent number two, gets beat sometimes a little bit frustrating giving guys too much cushion, but then it will also make a really good play on some top receivers. So um, I, I like the this year signing for what they got him for. Obviously really like Hall. Um, I for what Austin was now with saying that he was overhyped a minute ago I also think for where he was drafted he produced better than I think he would so that's a positive um, well that's decent depth um, you know Quincy Wilson's a huge question mark you have Harrison who's a huge question mark so they have a bunch of question marks but that's better than a bunch of known bads kind of so mm-hmm. I, I think at their number one and two you know you're looking at hopefully you know hopefully Hall is healthy end of seer with guys like Austin um, and Wilson and Harrison behind them. So I, I think it could be a group that's below average but not absolutely terrible, which is better than it was last year. So they're taking steps in the right direction. It's just it's a position that's going to continue to be uh, need to be addressed in the, in the next few years. And you're looking at the future, you know. This year is, it has been injured a little bit and is 28 now, which is – I think he's 28, which is getting a little bit old for corners. Austin has injury history, which is always baffling to me where people are like, oh, don't worry about corner. Austin's fine. Austin's the guy who started like four games in two years at college because he was injured. So, and he got benched versus Mason Rudolph or whoever came into the rest of that game. So, um, I like the depth with him, but he's not a starter. So, um, better than last year, but not necessarily, you know, the Seattle Seahawks of 2014. <laughs> um, 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 I think the surprise pick for a lot of Jets fans uh, was uh, Captain Morgan or uh, James Morgan, as you, as you said before. Um, um, I kind of see wh- why um, in your breakdown um, why they um, why they picked him because he's a little bit better than I thought. Um, kind of uh, give us a little rundown on what do you think of him? Uh, yeah. So, and this is on the pick. Like, do you love the pick? Not necessarily. Would you like to see maybe a receiver draft there who was like I think it was Donald Peoples uh, Donald Peoples Jones who a lot of people wanted, but he also fell to the fifth sixth round. He was supposed to be a second or third round guy, so he fell for a reason. I, thought, I think it was Donald Peoples Jones. Maybe I could have the wrong name there. Uh, I, yeah, I think that was his name, uh, who the yeah. Browns drafted later in the draft. So um, there are some guys who I would have wanted over him. But at the same time, you know, I don't hate the pick. Like, people give it an F, but the same people who are bitching about the Jets not having a backup quarterback bitched about the Jets drafting a backup quarterback. Like, and he's a guy <laughs> who he, – he's I, I wouldn't trust him to be the starter this – I mean, the backup this year, which is why they signed Flacco for, for chunk change. So you have a backup um, this year, and you're hoping that in 2021, 22, 23, he's a long-term backup for the Jets. Maybe he gets a second contract. Maybe he doesn't. He probably won't. Obviously, if Sam Darnold steps in the right direction, he probably want a chance to start at that point in his career um, and not sign with the Jets. But looking at a guy who's the developmental backup quarterback who who has traits, and and like you said, um, you know, well he had a, he had the knee injury, uh, yeah, the knee injury I think in 2019, which hampered him a little bit, but. He has the size, you know, six four three. Uh, two, I mean, uh, not three hundred. Jesus, uh, two thirteen. He's not your Marcus Russell. Um, big, uh, big time arm. You know, he's a big time arm. He has velocity. You know, um, he's willing to 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 take a hit to the face to deliver a ball. Um, he has he has good patience in the pocket. He has decent mobility. Good deep ball. Um, he could fit balls into tight windows. He has, like I said, plenty of tight window throws and zip on the ball. Um, but there are concerns, and there's a reason he was a fourth-round pick and probably should have been a fifth-round pick. I think the Jets took him a little bit early, but you know, there's rumors that the, the Patriots were looking into him and they wanted him, so the Jets kind of picked him a little bit earlier than they wanted to, whatever. I'm not sure exactly. Again, I'm not in the room. I don't know what's going on. 
And I think a lot of fans need to understand that they don't know what's going on. They can't just say, okay, like I said with Conklin before, oh, should have signed Conklin. What if Conklin didn't want to come to the Jets and said no? Like, we don't know. Um, <laughs> so, the re- you know, you're looking at the knee injury. You're looking at his, his platform being off consistently when he throws the ball, whether it be not driving through his lead foot or not having his hallway set or um, stepping in the bucket, like I like to say. Um, there are definitely some things, you know, I think you need to see a window open um, before he throws it where he doesn't have a lot of, a lot of anticipation type throws through windows. So that's going to need, need to be addressed. But, you know, he did read both sides of the field, uh, uh, field at FIU. It wasn't just a half field reads and things like a lot of quarterbacks, been, you know, at that level are asked to do. So there are some traits that he has. Again, is he, is he the perfect fourth round pick and who I wanted? No, but do I understand the pick at the same time with saying that? Yes. You know, he's, he kind of falls on that Zuniga P Ryan type pick where, uh, you know, it's okay, but I didn't love it, but it still wasn't a terrible pick. It, it's something I, I, I hate. So I get them trying to, to draft a long-term backup quarterback again, because the back of the third string quarterback last year was so bad for the Jets that I think if Morgan had to start today, is it even possible to be as, as bad as fails? You know, I, I, I don't <laughs> think so, you know, so um, I, I get it. I didn't, again, didn't love it, but I, I think he has potential to grow into being a, a long-term uh, solid backup, um, which do you want, you know, is that the sexy pick? No. Um, and I'll throw out another cliche, which people always say, how important was, you know, Nick Foles to the Eagles in our championship run? You know, he, he was he was the quarterback. So it's a really important position that you need in the NFL. Um, again, it's not the sexy thing. It's not somebody who plays when you're, when you're playing Madden. But at the same time, you know, if Donald does go down for, let's say, three games again this year, you're hoping that you can at least take one of those games. Like, you don't, you're not necessarily going to go two and one, but you can't just be – you can't lose from the start like you did with the guys they had um, – you know, last year. So, you know, again, it's not a, not a terrible pick, but maybe not Jets fans favorite. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was a little surprising to see them pick a quarterback, but yeah, when I saw your breakdown, I kind of uh, saw what, uh, what Joe Douglas kind of, uh, so um, with all this controversy going on, which we won't uh, talk about really right now, but um, we'll yeah, talk we can, about Jets, I don't, uh, you know, it's Jets, okay. but, Jets but safety. I, it, <laughs> yeah. Um, there you go. Um, <laughs> uh, Ashton Davis. Uh, there's a lot of um, uh, people started uh, uh, surmising that he was going to be uh, the replacement for Adams and all this other stuff. Um, what do you What do you think of him? So this is one of the picks or the other picks that I, I was defending, and a lot of people were saying, "Oh, Ashton Davis could have been a second round pick." And obviously, when the Jets pick him. Everybody's going to look up Ashton Davis's name. Anything positive, they're going to retweet it, and then fans are going to get an inflated opinion of the guy. Um, I'm not going to lie. Me and Marcus trashed him a little bit. <laughs> so fans probably did not like that episode. I like his athletic ability, um, his ability to play in the center field. But when you're talking about, you know, the things that are, that are important, um, you know, playing the position, you know, his, his instincts, his recognition to play deep is not there right now. Um, as being at even not in the passing game, but in the running game, being that consistent open field tackler, he's not that like Marcus May um, is. Marcus May might not be the he might not be Ed Reed or even like a Malik Hooker coming out of college who can cover a ton of ground who's unfortunately been injured throughout his career. Um, you know, those are guys who are solid tacklers, um, where Ashton Davis cannot be relied on in, in that form of uh, or in that type of his game. Uh, he has ability to play all over the field, like he has ability to play in the box, but. He's really impatient in, in off-man coverage. He shoots his hands too aggressively in press man. 
Um, there's a lot of things he needs to work on. Uh, his angles, you know, uh, his ability to, to read a quarterback's uh, – or not to read a quarterback, to read route concepts where he is a guy who, yeah, he'll drop into the deep third or the deep middle third of a cover three, but he's reading the quarterback the entire time and, you know, starts to run to, uh, let's say, a seam route or a bender route, um, you know, as the ball is thrown instead of having the recognition skills to jump on it before. So, yeah, there's a lot of plays that look really good in college because he's playing guys – you know, and not to crap on these guys, but Justin Herbert, et cetera, that in the NFL he'll get looked off and beat for a touchdown or a running back, you know, whoever the Jets are playing, you know, uh, this year, uh, Breda or Singletary, one of these guys will break his tackle and run into the house. So he is a guy who has a ton of athletic traits, and if he does develop, can be a guy who, you know, can play in any role as a coverage guy, whether that be shallow or deep in any coverage you want. He can play a man. He can play in the box because of athletic traits, but he is so far from that right now. Um, you cannot rely on him year one to do any of that stuff. He, he, he got beat consistently, not, not too consistently, but consistently enough at Cal where I worry about him playing a lot at, um, at the NFL level. So a lot of people, as soon as he was drafted, oh, big nickel, big dime is going to be in all the time in sub packages. Hmm. I would not rely on him yet. Um, not, I'm, not, I'm not close to that point yet. So I'm lower on him than some people are. A lot of people, oh, he could have been a late first, early second if he had a pro day. And maybe, you know, his 40 time would have inflated some, some people's opinions of him. But, you know, I'm, I'm more about technique, instinct, things like that, smarts over um, athletic traits. Because there's guys who I can go down to my, my local YMCA who are freak athletes um, who could dunk the ball and do 360s. But they, you know, they can't dribble or pick up a defense or whatever. I should have compared it to basketball because I'm, I don't break down basketball film. But um, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, he's a guy who's far away right now. He, he's definitely far away. A ton of traits. He's a traitsy type guy. But uh, in terms of him playing, a, you know, a, a big role in year one, uh, I'm not there yet with him at all because of his, um, not, his uh, not because of his athletic traits, but because of his, of his smarts and his instincts, things like that. Yeah, that's that's crazy that you said that. I, I heard some uh, NFL pundits uh, saying that he was he uh, was basically a brain on the football field. It's kind of weird, like crazy when you really break down the film, what you see instead of listening to uh, what people say they saw. Um, that that's a lot, crazy. A lot, of, uh, a lot of a lot of people like to say they saw things because they want to have an opinion and want to get more followers. But uh, <laughs> those are the type of people. Trust me. And I'm, I'm not going to say this on a show in public. There's a lot of people that Jets fans look to um, for film or whatever that I watch their stuff. I'm like, what is this garbage? Like, what are you talking about? I'm, not, I'm never going to say their names in public. So uh, just <laughs> trust, the, trust the right guys. Look at the film yourself. If you, if, you know, and like I said, there's a, there's a, and there, there's a lot of people. Like, I'm definitely for a niche type of group where I'm not going to get 20,000 views on an episode because it's, it's, it's an hour and a half to two hours and people might not have that time. But if you really want to learn about it, and learn snap by snap. There's no lying on film. Like, I'm not going to break down film, and maybe I could trip you up with a technique or whatever and say it's good when it's really not. But um, it's a lot harder, to, at least, to lie on film. I'm showing it play by play and, and frame by frame than the people who just put up a play of Makai Beckton and say, look at his strength. He just trucked this guy. Like, great. Well, what was his technique? What was the run? What was this? Like, you know, so that's what frustrates me, to be honest, when I hear opinions that are based on um, really nothing that people that get 30,000 retweets or whatever um, because they're from a guy with blue check mark. So that, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's why we bring you on, man, because we know that you bring the film and the film don't lie. So 
Um, last last question, man. Um, is there any of those UDFAs uh, other than Bryce Huff, which you uh, spoke to about earlier, um, that really stick out to you? Um, no, not yet. Uh, I haven't I haven't watched really any of them. But based on looking at what they did, uh, George Campbell, super unproductive in college. What is he going to bring to the NFL level? Cager, uh, hmm. still pretty, pretty unproductive. I know he could be, you know, maybe a good red zone guy, but there's a reason, again, he was undrafted and only had like four or 500 yards or whatever it may be. Uh, Huff, I, I do like. Um, there is a tackle. I hear the tackle's name is that they did give the, the highest money. This is the guy's name? Yeah, they, they, that, I, that could be his name again. I don't yeah, even know. I think, yeah, that's his um, name. Yeah, Jar- Jared Hilbers. Yeah. So the Jets liked him, obviously, because they gave him the highest amount of money um, to sign with the Jets. So he's a guy that watching camp, but I literally could not find one snap of his game film. So I can't really talk, uh, speak on him. The other guys, I did sign, find some game film, and I will be breaking them down. Um, I, have a, I have a list here of some of the guys that people um, – are talking about uh, uh, Gadry, Jackson, Cager, Campbell. Yes, I talk about Campbell and Cager, Jackson. A lot of people fell in love with him because when they're doing mock drafts, he's a guy who's consistently there in the sixth round. They saw a corner. They saw the name Lamar Jackson, thought it was kind of funny, and that's how he kind of stuck in <laughs> Jets fans' brains. But he's not, he, he's not good, uh, in my opinion. Like, he is super uh, limited athletically. Gadry is a guy who is the opposite um in some sort of a sense where he's a super traitsy type guy super you know blazing speed like a 427 whenever he ran um from I, well, I believe it was utah um but in terms of his his smarts and his technique it's not there at all so i i, I think if i had to bet huff makes the roster and some of the other guys make the practice squad maybe but don't really make an impact um so it might be huff and maybe like a, the the whatever uh, tackle you said before might make the roster um, but I'm not banking on a, on a lot of them. But like I said, Huff, I, I would be surprised if he was a fourth or a fifth round pick based on what I saw. So, yeah, man. Like I said before, this is why we bring you here, man. We bring you here <laughs> because you bring the film, and like you always say, the film never lies. Um, I you said earlier that uh, that you you don't want to plug uh, the your show too much or your your website. I think I think that's important. I you know how much I love this stuff. Um, Please tell the people where they could get your stuff. Um, yeah. And- uh, sorry. So, so yeah, Blue It's Blitz on, on, the, on uh, the podcast uh, app. If you want to listen to it, sure. You're going to hear me talk about traits and some plays and things like that. But obviously going on YouTube, again, I'm on Zoom. I'm, I'm breaking the film down uh, while you can see it on film or, or on the uh, screen frame, uh, frame by frame. So you're going to learn a lot about the players. And you know, I'm not going to bring up all the techniques and things like that, but you know, palms coverage, like we got into a deep conversation about palms coverage and what it does uh, for the outside linebacker. Like, you know, there's not a lot of people who talk about palms coverage or cover three replacement or box coverage or jambo. There's not a lot of things that people talk about that I think fans to have the proper opinion of the team and of the players that they're watching, that they should understand at least some of the stuff. Like I'm not saying, okay, sit down and watch 20 hours of uh, uh, film a week like I do because I just – it's just my hot – you know, it's a thing I love to do. Um, uh, and read books and do all these things and, and go to coaching clinics and all that stuff that, that I, you know, that I try to watch. But um, I still think fans should be understanding of, of who they have. So now if you be able to spout out, you know, uh, shoot, shoot out a bad opinion, um, you could at least kind of be like, what the hell is this guy talking about? Like a lot of people a couple of years ago, uh, even though I, like I said, I, I thought Claiborne was decent. Oh, he's a, he's a top press corner in the league or 
James Carpenter is, is excellent or Brandon Shell is really good. I'm like, what, what are these people watching? Like, how? I don't get it. So I, I think if you, if you want to, you know, at least in players you're interested in, like if you're super interested in Mims, you know, you, you don't, I'm not requiring people, hey, sit down for two hours, watch the entire show. No, but if you, if you really want to learn about the player, you know, sit down and watch 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and you'll, and you'll get enough at least to understand what he is, um, at least in some sense. So um, yeah, Blitz, Blitz, YouTube. Um, on the website, that's where I put the full reviews. I used to put the full reviews on Twitter. Um, now, let's say if I have 30 plays, I only put up about 10 plays. I don't give the strengths and weaknesses. Um, that's on JetsXFactor.com. Uh, and the reason for that being is, listen, I, I, <laughs> it takes a lot of time to do the film, make the strengths and weaknesses list, put it up, um, tweet it out, all that stuff. So if I can get you know, uh, financially compensated at this, to some sense. Um, I think it's a smart thing to do, especially at this point in my life, instead of doing it for free all the time. So, um, yeah, find me there. Yeah, man. And uh, thank you so much uh, for coming. Uh, guys, you have any more questions for Joe? Uh, man. Uh, Joe, thanks again for joining us, man. We, we love having you on. I wish we could have you on more, but I know <laughs> everything's going on, but uh, thank yeah, you for yeah. coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, maybe I'll uh, I'll come on when the whole Jamal Adams thing is done. We could we could we could talk sure. about <laughs> we could, we could talk great. about that. I'll yeah. cut, and and quick, I'm not gonna say too much about that. I just hope it's over. Uh, you know, whatever <laughs> whatever sense whatever whatever you get from it. Okay, did, you know, listen. Did Joe Douglas say he's gonna get a new contract offer, but he didn't? And Jamal Adams should be pissed. Maybe, did, you know, but at the same time, for a guy who's a leader, say you've never heard the Jets, you know, he's going to stick it out with the Jets to handle it like he's handling it like a child. Um, it, it, it hurts It hurts to see as a Jets fan. Even if you hurt the organization, I don't know why he's taking these stabs at, at fans and things like that. Like he liked to tweet um, implying that the uh, Jets fans were racist before he unliked it. Like, wow. what is that? You know? So crazy. Um, yeah, there's screenshots of that. So I, I don't get what he's doing. Uh, you know, listen. Um, a guy who wants to rebuild a culture and rebuild a team uh, to request to go to all these teams who have their own culture. You know, you're, you're, he's being a follower and not a leader. And at the same yep. time, if he was signed, would I love it? Yes. But at the same time, how does he walk into that locker room that, that he's a part of and, and, and you oh, know, yeah. claim that he's a leader when it's clearly all about money? So um, mm -hmm. I think at this point, it's kind of the point of no return. He's going to get traded. Hopefully the Jets get you know, if it is Dallas, so I don't understand how they fit him. You know, it, it is Gallup, a guy who can help Donald and a first-round pick, which then gets turned around again to help Donald. Um, but at the same time, you know, Brian Dawkins is my favorite player ever. And if there's been one player who's done the job, oh, yeah. resembled Brian Dawkins, it's Jamal Adams in his mindset. <laughs> so um, it sucks to see him most likely leave because, you know, the Jets are deprived of really good young players. But um, the way he's acting like he did, and, you know, if you guys saw the video of last night, like him driving in Dallas – um, I don't know if you guys saw it, but somebody yeah. said, hey, Jamal, you're yeah. coming to Dallas or whatever. He's like, yeah, bro, I'm yep. trying. Like, no, <laughs> wow, you're, you're yeah. professional athletes are millions and millions of dollars, dude. And, and especially now is the worst time. If you're going to try to get a trade, do it before the draft. Do this shit before the draft so you guys can get a draft pick. Um, and you're doing it in the middle of, of a pandemic. And, like, we don't know the salary cap's going to be. We don't know if there's a season. You know, the, they can't come face-to-face -face in meetings with him. If they do trade him – a lot of teams, and I didn't necessarily want to get into this, but it's kind of on my mind. A lot of teams, if they <laughs> trade you, before they accept the trade, you have to come into their facility and get medical medical evaluation. So there's some teams that might not even accept the trade because they're going to invest, you know, a first-round pick and maybe a third or a second um, and millions of dollars in the extension that came and look at him medically. There might be something hidden that the Jets aren't, aren't you know, there's, there's so much, there's so, there's so many com uh, complex layers to this, but I definitely am disappointed in Jamal Adams. Um, if it is Adam Gates who is kind of uh, – you know, pushing away from the team, um, like 
you know, Camardi has indicated, then that's a shame because Gase just needs to go at that point. But at the same time, I think he needs to understand that, you know, he's a third-year player. Um, you know, yes, there are guys like uh, – I think like Lane Johnson, Travis Cedric were signed, but then at the same time there's guys who like Aaron Donald um, and Khalil Mack who weren't. And every, every team has a different cap situation, especially this year it's an unknown. So, you know, because the – the Panthers, who I think screwed up, and I love McCaffrey, but in signing McCaffrey so early, I think they did screw up because they screwed up. Now the Jets have to screw up and, and sign you too early. So it, it, it's, it's, it's complex. Um, I'm disappointed overall. You're, you might be losing a great player, and I'm disappointed in the player that I thought Jamal Adams was and the man he is, but he's, that he's clearly displaying he's not. So that is my opinion in, in a shorter form. <laughs> I, we can go all day on it. No, that's um, all right. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, we, I'll we talk get to it. you guys. Uh, I'll, yeah, it, it's, it's frustrating. Every time I see a tweet about it, I just want to you know, throw my phone through, through the window because I, I just yeah. can't read about it anymore. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk soon, I'm sure. Uh, just oh, just uh, message me. All right, Joe. Stay Thank safe, you. Man. Thank you, Joe. Stay yeah, safe. stay safe, brother. Going. Take it easy. Yeah, I'll try. Take care, man. And that's, and, that's it for, uh, and that's it for the episode. Please make sure to follow us, Just Fans Podcast, on Twitter, Instagram, at NY Just Fans Podcast, before episodes away from the Big 100. And um, please give us some feedback. And, um, and that's about it. Until next time, we're taking flight. Take flight. Take flight. <laughs>